Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Up high. Three seconds left. Out to Doctor. He's got a crack at it. Three-pointer. The Boston Celtics 14-game winning streak has come to an end on a dramatic shot by the Doctors. A gorgeous set play there. They tipped it to Julius. He locked his man and made a three-pointer. What a terrific basketball game. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Jody McDonald. How you feeling? Jody, does the song help today? Does the, does the old highlighted Dr. J being in the Celtics... Does it help this morning, or are we are we coming into today whistling past the grape? The doc highlight helps. The song's the song, and it's always great after wins, but you want it played after losses, too. And that did not work the other night when they got sent back to Boston for game number seven. So anytime you get a doc highlight in, that's good by me. Yeah, it's going to be decided on the floor, not by Glenn Macnow and Jody McDonald. And the songs that they pick to preview the game hours before they step onto the court at the TD Garden, they got a lot of work ahead of them today, Glenn. Oh, they do. Welcome, everybody, to one of the, one of the most nerve-wracking mornings we remember in recent Philadelphia sports history. Eat light this morning, everybody, because there's a good chance you could end up with butterflies or agita in your belly. Hopefully not nausea. Uh, because today at 3.30, by the way, Jody, 3.30. Oh, by the way, no chance. No chance. None whatsoever. Um, I do shows after this one, CBS, and I've been on the Sundays uh, a bunch during the NBA playoffs. If the game is to be played on TNT and the starting time is scheduled for 3.30, somewhere oh. between 3.30 and 3.35, if yeah. it's on ESPN or ABC, which today's game is on 6ABC, more like 345. Yeah, the la- yeah. last Sunday's game, and because I'm on the air at 6, yeah, so it usually takes two and a half hours, 215 to play an NBA game. All right, playoffs, they had a couple extra minutes of commercials. It should end right at 6 o'clock because I'm getting on the air. 
forget about it. There was four minutes left to go in the regulation game, and then it goes to overtime. So the entire overtime I had to be watching while I was on the air. ESPN takes at least 15 minutes of latitude before they start the game. About 345, uh, they'll tip it today, Glenn. Well, and I appreciate that advice. I'll get in, you know, one last cup of coffee before yes. I flip it on. <laughs> and the Sixers get one more chance to advance, one more shot to justify the process, move past round two of the NBA playoffs, a perch they have not ascended since 2001. It is the Sixers versus the hated Celtics at TD Bank Arena. And, Jody, I'll be honest. I've been away. I've been out of the country for most of this series. My wife and I got to visit France for the first time in our lives. I'll maybe drop in a little bit about that later. I only caught game one, game two, and some highlights, so I can't speak to everything that has happened. Uh, but from, from being on yesterday and from listening to callers and from talking to my friendly neighborhood Wawa barista, people around this town seem pretty much to believe the season is already over um, you know maybe maybe those people are just kind of playing it loose and things can only go up I, what's your sense uh, before we get into the specifics of the game of the mood of the town going in um yeah skeptical would probably be the word i would use to describe it uh, more than anything else and rightfully so Sometimes you and I come on here and go, oh, I just don't get what the quote-unquote town is thinking. I think they've got a pretty good read on this. I, I'm not throwing their chances out the window today. I think they've got a legit chance. They're an underdog, but they've been an underdog three times in this series in Boston and walked away with two victories. Is it because it's a game seven that means the Celtics have a larger advantage than they did in the two wins they've already got in Boston? I don't think so. So I give them a legit chance to go in and win today. But if they don't, the reason why this one is going to be painful is they fell apart in the fourth quarter the other night. They had it. It was there. It was there for the taking. They didn't shoot the ball exceptionally well throughout the entire game, but it got precipitously worse in the fourth quarter. And here's the key to me today, Glenn. This is it's it's on the team. I'm not going to give everybody anybody a pass and, and guys like DeAnthony Melton have to step up. Tobias Harris gave him nothing offensively other than I, I, I don't, I don't want to leave anybody out of the evaluative process. But this is a Joel Embiid game. No, they doubt. did the process to get Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid won the MVP this year. He finally got the honor as the best player in the NBA. Well, now he's got to take it on his shoulders today. And he's got to deliver, and he's got to come up big, and he's got to do what Jason Tatum did in the, not even fourth quarter, the, the second half of the fourth quarter the other night, and just not allow his team to lose. He outscored the Sixers in the fourth quarter in a game where he couldn't throw the ball in the ocean until the final six minutes. Joel Embiid has to deliver that kind of performance for the Sixers today. Thoroughly agree with you. All right, now, um... As I said, I was away. Uh, I haven't seen much. I've always respected you as a basketball authority. Hell, you coached the WIP charity team back in the day, and as the distributing point guard, you helped me average a lusty two points per game. So I think it was I'll two and change. That. Don't don't sell yourself short, Mac Man. <laughs> yeah, you round up. It was like two point four. Yes, exactly. Uh, anyway, so I'm going to give you a series of questions to start. I used to do five questions for Ray. I actually, eh, we'll see if we can get all six in this first segment. If not, not a problem. 
By the way, 215-592-9494. Really want to talk to the town today. So here's question number one. Uh, Jody, in a series where home court has meant nothing and neither team has been able to hold momentum at all, what, if anything, is the residual effect of, as you just so ably described, blowing game six at home in front of that frenzied fan base? It's not good. Um, I, I was listening. Yes, I was rounded about in the car, so I caught a little of you and Mr. Sielski, and then uh, also the uh, Go Birds guys uh, a little later on in the afternoon, and I heard Elliot Shore Parks attempt to make an argument that it's better that the Sixers are on the road here, that the pressure in their own building because of the 10-year buildup to get to this point and the process and beat and everything else weighs on them. Hmm. I'm sorry. I'm just not buying that. that. That just doesn't make sense to me. If I have my choice to play a Game 7 in my building or somebody else's building, I'm choosing my building every time. Not 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, no matter what the results in the series have been up until this point with both teams winning two road games. They 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 kind of blew it. They had a chance to close out the Celtics. They couldn't do it. I don't think the crowd hurt them at all. I don't buy the old oh, too much pressure thing. They had a bad game, and Doc Rivers uh, showed the tape of the game to the players thereafter. A little extra game off to, day off today I don't think hurts a guy like Harden. Uh, but still, that's that's not because of the venue. That's because of the schedule. They didn't make open shots. you got to no. make open shots. It's a make-or-take league, and the Sixers took and did not make enough shots to win the game the other night. So my, my other takeaway from that, just you know, I, I literally got into the airport in time to you know like see the post stuff. It, it was disturbing to me that they seemed less mad that they blew it than Embiid was mad that he didn't get the ball. Yeah, that's Harden true. was complaining that he didn't get the calls. I mean, you're you're moaning about referees' calls in because basically because the ref said that we're going to let him play and he's just fishing for fouls. That's a lot of finger pointing, which to me is never a good look, certainly at this time of the year. Nope. And like I just said, Doc put it on all of them, which is exactly what he should have done because the other night they all uh, – Maxi was, was solid, but he missed shots too, makeable shots. And it all comes down to makeable shots and hard shots. To Jason Tatum's credit, the, the scoring he did late, the Sixers were not playing bad defense. He was taking contested shots and hitting nothing but the net. Um, they missed open shots. That's plain and simple. And you can say you didn't get enough of them or the ref didn't give you the foul call. Make uh, open shots, you win the game. Plain and yeah. simple. The other night yeah, and balls. don't don't be trying to drive into a guy to draw a foul. Try to drive into the basket and score. All right, next question. Coach McDonald, uh, you're coaching the Sixers. What is your game plan today? What's your strategy on offense, defense, matchups, who's guarding who, who's playing, who's not, uh, and, and whatever happened at Tobias Harris? The, the, I've referenced now it a couple times, uh, Doc's uh, giving uh, credence to everybody struggling in the game, which is dead on, and you don't want to be singling out players at this time. You've got to win as a team, so we got beat as a team and came up small as a team. I agree with wholeheartedly. Here's the one suggestion 
I would make the doc if, now this is contingent on how Boston plays, uh, but if they do what they did in game six, which worked for them because they walked away with a victory and forced a game seven. They went with the dueling bigs of Al Horford and Robert Williams in the starting lineup, and that meant more minutes for Williams. The Sixers did not push the ball enough. If they're going to go bigger, that means they're going to go slower than the lineup that they had been playing and could be playing. And the Sixers just did not, when given the chance, and what are we talking about over the course of a game? Three, four, at most five possessions where you could have tried to get out and get numbers and get a quick shot and get an advantage because they're a little slow getting back. Well, the games were all that close. So three, four, five possessions often decide an NBA playoff game, and I believe it will tonight. I don't think uh, I took a couple calls on my CBS show last night who told me this game's going to be a blowout one way or the other. Either the Sixers are going to get ahead and Boston's going to pack it in, or the Sixers are going to fall behind and all going to start looking at each other. This is not going to be a close game. I disagree. I think it will be a close game. You got to push the ball, Doc. You got to take your chances. You got to let Maxie get out in the open floor. Tell him, as you just said, get to the hoop. Don't try and draw a foul. Try and finish at the yep. rim and force them to foul you. They didn't do enough of that the other night. They got open shots, as I've now said three times since the show started. It wasn't like they were forcing up bad shots. They got open shots. They didn't make them. You have to get even better shots today by pushing the basketball. All right, one more, though. We'll get some callers in. If you're Boston, how do you beat the Sixers today? Knowing that you've already lost two at home, if that means anything today. Yeah, I let my stars take me home. I let Brown and Tatum take me home. They're, uh, everyone is debating now who's the best twosome in basketball, and the Lakers are laying claim to a healthy Anthony Davis, LeBron James are the best twosome in basketball. Some people thought that Booker and Durant in Phoenix were the best twosome in basketball. Yeah, I don't think how, so. how, how'd that work out for them? Not, well, uh, well, they, they it, mortgaged everything on that Durant trade. It did not work for them. Correct. Um, I think Brown and Tatum are as good as any other twosome in basketball. Uh, so I'm, I'm riding my superstars to the finish line. Uh, Brown and Tatum take as many shots as they want. They'll, they'll, they'll know when to bet. They'll know when to let others get involved. I would keep an eye on Marcus Smart. He, he could very well decide the game today because he's one of those guys who could just throw in a uh, 6 of 10 performance and you're dead in the water. Or he can throw in a 3 for 16 performance because Marcus will take his shots from time to time. If I'm uh, Joe Mazzula, I'm telling both uh, Brown and Tatum that you need to go out and get me 30 today. Uh, listen, I think what you mentioned three names prominently this segment. Those two and Joel Embiid. And it is the axiom that your stars win or lose for you in the big games. And I think yep. that's I'm, – I'm entirely with you. To me, this is the game, getting back to what the Sixers, Joel Embiid has to play 43 minutes and score 45 points. And that's how they win. So – all right, let's go to the people, 215-592-9494. A guy who's been calling since you and I worked together way back in the day, Joe from Mayfair, starts us off. Except good morning. Just, there he is. Hey, Joe. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, Joe. This is uh, this game seven today. I know these guys are saying it's all about Embiid, and I think it's they're not going to allow Embiid to win. Like, if I'm Boston, um, put Marcus Smart on Maxi. I'm doubling Harden, I'm doubling Embiid, and leaving Tucker and Harris open. And that's how you're going to beat me today. 
And I don't think the Sixers have a clue of how to do that. I mean, the only way the Sixers have any shot today is playing the ball through Embiid below the elbow with Dirk Nowitzki, Tim Duncan area to bring the defense down so it creates more space up at the top so it allows driving lanes for Harden and Maxi to get easier mid-range jumpers or get and finish to the rim. When Embiid plays at the elbow out, it clogs everything up. Maxi and Harden can't get to the mid-range game and they can't get to the rack. And that's how the Celtics win their games. You know, if you have James Harden has to pull out a miracle right out of the hat and put up 40-plus like he did in games one, four, and seven, they could win. But I don't, I don't see the Sixers having any shot unless they find their role players, hit those open shots, because Boston's not going to let Embiid, Max, or Harden beat them that. There's no way. Yeah, but let me ask you a question, Joe. You've watched yeah. the series. You're, I know you know basketball inside out. You yeah. watched the first series. The Nets took the ball out of Joel Embiid's hands. Now, the Nets weren't good enough to take advantage and beat the Sixers anyway, and the Sixers role players, specifically of Harden in game number one, stepped up. How much double-teaming has Boston done? How much have they, as you just declared it, taken the ball out of Joel Embiid's hands? They don't have to when he thinks he's playing a combo two-guard. Well, then it's not Boston, is it? It's Joel. If you're saying that Joel needs to pass more, say that. Don't say Boston takes the ball out of Joel's hands because they haven't. They've said, we're going to play you mano a mano, man up. Yeah, and Embiid, Embiid, when when he has the ability to face the basket, he does put up his 30 and 15, like game, game five was vintage MB, where he took the bull by the horn and said, hey, I am going to do it. I don't know why he didn't come out in game six and do that. He's, he tried to be a Kim Olajuwon combo two guard. But the, getting to that the last four or five minutes of game, of game six is the issue that I have with the team. But that was their home court. This is Joel Embiid's make it or break it game, and he shriveled yeah. up. By not demanding the basketball. I agree. I, Joe, I agree with you. And, and enjoy the afternoon. Uh, shriveled up, man. That's, that's tough, but it's not, it's not untrue. And to me, this is such a legacy game for him. Now, listen, he's still got years to go in the league, and that legacy can change. But after all these years in the league, if they were up 3-2 to two in the series and up in fourth quarter of game six at home, and he – didn't get the ball for the last four minutes and cannot do it today. That's that's like a long term mark on his career. Correct. And uh, I'm not going to put it all on Joel as Joe just did. I'm not giving him a pass. Don't kid yourself. He didn't get the job done late, but it wasn't like they threw it to him every single time and he missed every single time or he threw the ball away every single time. There were a couple possessions where I would have liked to see them work harder to get it to Joel, even though he had missed a couple of shots in previous possessions. Uh, I kind of want to sink or swim with my guy today. And if it means that uh, you're working overtime to make sure he gets the shot, if it comes down to a Joel Embiid face-up jumper from 18 or a wide-open DeAndre Melton three, yeah, I want Embiid taking that shot. All right, let's talk about the show today. What we've got, 11 o'clock, Derek Bodner, Sixers reporter for the DailySix.com, podcaster, Sixers Beat. One of, the, one of the brightest guys who's covered this team for years is going to join us to help preview Game 7. At noon, our old pal, our old producer, Anthony Sanfilippo, is going to join because, Jody, amazingly, the Flyers managed to take some of the spotlight this week, hiring everybody's best friend and favorite person, Keith Jones, as the new head of hockey operations. 
Uh, Mike and I had Keith on yesterday. Uh, he made a great impression on us. Um, it's a complete remake in recent weeks, Jody, by the franchise in town that most needed it. Yeah, I'm sorry that I missed your interview with Jonesy yesterday. I'm sure it was great. Do I know it's going to work for the Flyers? No. I can guarantee you the Flyers will be more fun with Jonesy running the show. But will it uh, turn it itself into marked improvement and a playoff run next year? Maybe. I don't know that. But it's a shot worth taking, Mac Man. Better than what they've been doing of late. And it'll be interesting when we get Anthony on because you wrote that great article about five months ago about the, the fact that the Flyers are still run by ex-Flyers. And even though they might not have official titles, they're still uh, making decisions and influencing people behind the scenes and the like. Jonesy's kind of an ex-Flyer, but he's not Bob Clark and he's not Paul Holmgren and he's a different type of guy. I like it. I, I, I can't promise you anything. I don't know that it's going to be a raging success or a fall-on-your-face failure, but it's a shot just worth taking. And I, 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 I I'm, so missed, I'm so pissed that I missed your interview yesterday. Uh, you know what? It's, we did podcast it, so nice. you can hear it. Um, and, and by the way, Jonesy, he's a different generation than those guys, right? Yep. Those guys all go back to the 70s, 80s. Jonesy played in the 90s into the 2000s. And Jonesy is a guy who has spent the last 20 years. You know, some broadcasters will come into town and they'll just, like, go to the booth and do the game. Jonesy talks to everybody, knows everybody, is connected, studies the game. I think Jonesy's going to be going to – like you, I can't predict because it's a different role than he's ever had. But I think he's got the brains to do it, and I think he's got the people skills to do it. Um, Phillies are on a six-game win streak. Bryce Harper playing his way into the All-Star game. The Eagles schedule came out. Jody, nobody appears to like it, including me. I don't know if you really? differ. Yeah, nah, I don't like it. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, and, hey, it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Uh, happy Mother's Day to my wife, Judy, to your wife, uh, Maddie. No, your daughter is Maddie Carroll, excuse me, to your wife, Carol. Um, and it's a chance to pull up one of my favorite themes, which is your favorite sports story with your mom, whether you shared it with her uh, as you being a player or a fan or she was your coach. We're going to honor all the moms by recalling how they – and not just Dad gave you a great sports memory, but a lot of Sixers will carry us for most of the day. 215-592-9494. He is Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. G Mack, today's first segment of the show, sponsored by the good folks at the Bet Park Sportsbook app. Great time of year to be getting more action with your action. NBA playoffs, MLB games, you name it, they've got it. First segment sponsored by the people of the Bet Park Sportsbook app. Two minutes to play. Boston needs a push of the points. Harris going to the hoop. Knocked away by Hoshies and a turnover. And ahead of the field is Andrew Tony. And the Philadelphia 76ers are going to be on their way to the championship final. Oh, that was a great moment. We'll play some of those for you. Sixers Celtics history tends to go the wrong way for us. It is a great rivalry back to Wilton Russell through Doc and Moses and Bird and McHale and Parrish and uh, that Andrew Tony um, Iverson versus the Celts. And 
And you hope today these teams, Jody, have met each other in the NBA playoffs more than any other than any two teams in the league. They, they, this is their twenty-first playoff series. Yep. Unfortunately, the Celtics have won fourteen of the first twenty. So who's going to be Andrew Tony today, Jody Mack? You say it's going to be the big center, and I don't disagree. I think it has to be, unless if Boston's going to stick to it. And it's been a fun coaching matchup between these two coaches. I don't think either one of them has blatantly outcoached each other for the series. Individual games, I think one's gotten better of the other, but it's been pretty darn even. And Missoula pushed the right button, putting Robert Williams in that last game. Sixers now have to make them pay. And if it's going to be a push-the-ball-up-the-floor game, that's Tyrese Maxey at his best. He's one of the quickest players in the NBA. Uh, so uh, that that's the other guy. I, I've begun to call the uh, veteran free agent big decision. What are we going to do with him going forward, uh, 76er, back Courtman? Jekyll and Harden. Which one good. shows up today, Jekyll or Harden? Because like he has been both. Uh, but I would even say to Tyrese Maxey, if there's a number two to Joel after got to come up huge today, it may turn out to be Maxey because of the way the Celtics decide to go. Yeah, that's pretty good. Hopefully he's the uh, – wait, who was the good one? Jekyll was the good one. Yes. Uh, Dr. Jekyll was the good one. Hyde was the was the evil alter ego. Correct. So, so we, we want, need... we want uh, Heckle and Jekyll. Jekyll, uh, James Jekyll today for the 76 There you go. John and Maniunk is with us. Hey, John. Hey, Glenn. How was France? Did you meet up with your six-pack out there? I did. I did. I, my, my old pal, Don Russell, Joe Sixpack, who uh, does the beer show with me, which Jody has been a stunningly marvelous guest on, uh, moved with his wife to a small town called Rennes in Brittany, north of Paris, and we took the train up there. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And spend a day drinking beer and looking at this town he lives in, which like the buildings were all built 400 years ago. It was it was stunning. It's Jody. It's it's like moving to I mean, not just a foreign country. It's like moving to a foreign planet and they're loving it. But yes, I had a great time. Thank you. Nice. Cool, cool. Yeah, I miss seeing him up at the Roxborough Acme here, but uh, yeah, that's him, on, Mr. Roxborough. Yeah, yeah. But uh, on the Sixers today, I'm not really optimistic. But my only hope is I was just watching some YouTube 82 Ghost series against the Celtics when I think the Sixers were up three-one. They came back at the end. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I, I have some other points. Remember that one? No, the 82. Yeah, well, I remember 83. Yeah, but the one where the, the the Sixers went into the garden and they beat them, and the Lakers fans were uh, oh, with uh, the, BLA. yes, with Doc. Beat oh, the LA, Celtics fans were going to beat yes. LA. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the thing today, like Jody Mack was saying, um, uh, so they're putting their two bigs in there. Why not put like a B-ball Paul in there a little more power forward and stuff like that? Because I don't see Tucker. I, I mean, I know he does the intangibles. He's a tough guy, but I don't know. I would have no problems with a couple extra minutes. Now, you're not going to go drastic. You're not just going to take Tucker out of the rotation. But uh, Paul only plays when Embiid's off the floor. A couple of minutes just to throw the Celtics off, a B-ball and Embiid on the floor at the same time, I would not be unopposed to that. Okay. Hey, I'll try anything different. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with trying any of that. So David Havertown wants to talk about the referees, which anytime somebody wants to talk about the referees, he doesn't want to tell us that he likes the choice of referees today. That's my hunch. Dave, am I wrong? No. Basically, first off, the show is awesome as always. But uh, here's something to point out. Um, Eric Lewis, who is one of the referees for Game 7, it turned out he's a huge Celtics fan. And on top of that, Wait, how do we know that? We posted on social media. Just came out literally twenty minutes ago. His entire family in say conflict of interest. Well, him or his family? Family plus somebody photoshopped him with a Celtics jersey on. They photoshopped it. Well, I don't think yes. that counts as solid evidence in most courtrooms. Listen, here's the thing. He he's he's. I don't even know where he's from, but let's assume he's from up New England. I don't even know where he's from. His family is a Celtics fan. Most of the players who are referees and officials in whatever sport got that way because they were originally fans, right? Right. Okay. And they probably were originally fans of various teams. You have the the whole Delco mafia of officials in the NBA, right? Thank you, you, Glenn. That's exactly where I was going to next. I'm assuming if there, if there is some one, of them grew up as Sixers fans. If there is one area in the country that is famous for producing referees in the NBA, it's the Delaware Valley. More so than any other. L.A., New York, Chicago, Boston, all these major markets. The, the, the area in the country that it has more NBA referees is the Delaware Valley. Well, And, and let somehow me be more the specific. Sixers, and so now the Sixers haven't won a championship well, in 40 let me years. Be, let Please me more explain specific. that Dave, to me. Dave, what town do we live in, you and I? Delco. What town? What's, what, what township? Haverford. We, we do, and we love Havertown, right, because it's great? 
Yep. A third of the referees over the years of Joey Crawford, they're they're all from Havertown. I'm guessing they're Sixers fans growing up. You get the job, you separate. I if if Scott Foster's wife and daughter and uncle put on Celtic stuff, what are you going to do? Well, I'm just saying. But oh, it, you didn't say Scott Foster. Me. You said I forget who you said. Somebody. Else. Eric Lewis. Eric Lewis. Yeah. So basically, I'm saying if it comes down late in the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden the Celtics are getting all these calls, <laughs> and you, I'm just saying it's a potential conflict of interest. Right. Apparently, uh, but apparently, appar- apparently, okay. you didn't hear the the point no. that Glenn and I made. If no. that's the case, if referees allowed their rooting interest, who they rooted for as kids, to affect them when they're calling games in the NBA, how the hell have the 76 has gone 40 years without winning a championship, Glenn, with all these Philly referees calling games in the NBA? How has it happened if that's the case? It's going to happen today, according to him. The Boston guy is going to call Boston calls, and the Sixers are going to get screwed. Well, how did the Sixers not screw people with their hometown refereeing the last 40 years? Because well, one of them was Joey Crawford, and he hated the Sixers, according to, according to many in the fan. <laughs> he went against the hometown team. No, I don't buy it. Again, you assume that a referee, that somebody goes into refereeing because they like the sport, right? They like the sport because they grew up as a fan. It's tough to grow up as a fan and not be a fan of a specific team, probably your hometown team. Where are they, Where else are they going to find the referees? France? I was there. I didn't see any basketball. You didn't see any. You didn't no, run into any referees at any cafes. Surprisingly, no, none of them. Uh, Jack and Santa Barbara. Jack, we got about a minute, my friend. What are you thinking today? You feeling confident? A minute, <laughs> a minute. Okay, give me the ball. I'll shoot it. Go, Go for it. <laughs> um, I, you know, what I need, what I need from the Sixers is somebody needs to cover Malcolm Brogdon. I would put Maxie on him because he's quick enough, but he has killed us in the first quarter. Uh, I think three of these games he's done that, and nobody's even come into his zip code and, and even waved at him. So I'm tired of seeing Malcolm Brogdon shooting like a jugs gun out there with no one in his face, and I think that that would go a long way if we take him away from the initial uh, um, push that, that 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 coach pushes him in there to do, um, I think that that would would bode well for us to set the tone that mm. we're not just going to leave him for open shooting uh, on on this day where I think defense will win the game for us if we win. Jody, I think that's fair. Brogdon has been key coming off the bench for him. Uh, you can have a game plan. You could say put Max down because Maxie's quick enough. And then Boston does a good job of running screens and forcing the Sixers or the Sixers deciding to switch. And he's got a lot of his points against James Harden, and Harden is just not yeah. a good defender. Yeah, no question about that. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Coming up at 11, Derek Bodner, uh, who really knows this stuff, has been covering the Sixers since the process began. We'll touch base with him. Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack now on Game 7, the morning of Game 7 on 94 WIP. 42 points for Allen Iverson. And there will be a Game 4 here Wednesday night. 
76er season not over yet. Facing elimination, they get a hard-fought victory and beat the Boston Celtics. Once again, the final score, 108-103. to yeah, I don't need to tell you how that series ended, but nonetheless, it was a pretty good day <laughs> when it was. Uh, Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack now, Sixer Celtics, Game 7 today, 3.30-ish, according to Jody, which could be 3.40, Yeah, closer to 3.45. Yeah. Uh, and it is Mother's Day. Um, you're working today, I'm working today. My, <laughs> I looked at my wife today, it's like, what do you want to do? It's like, I got jet lag, we're doing nothing. It's like, great. Uh, but Jody... Mother's Day is a time, and I've I, I've done this theme many many years, but I still love doing it. Which is, you know, most of us learn sports in one way or another from our dad. You had an amazing um, start in life with your dad being a major league executive. He was general manager of the Mets when you were growing up. I still have that picture of you with Willie Mays. Um, by the way, I saw a documentary on the plane about Willie Mays that HBO did. Have you seen that? Say no, hey. I have not. You can find it. You'd like it. You'd okay. like it. Um, check it out. I think it's called the Say Hey Kid or Say Hey Willie Mays or something. HBO put it out last fall. But uh, for a lot of us, our mothers were an influence, large or small, in sports. And so what I love to do today is invite the callers to give us their favorite Mother's Day story uh, involving you and sports. So you want to go first? Yeah. Um, as you noted, uh, my father was uh, an executive in, in major professional sports. It was baseball, um, but it's a kind of all-encompassing job. Uh, to be a general manager of a major league baseball team is kind of time-consuming. So my father didn't get to see all my games. He, he When he could, he did and showed up and helped out and did whatever he could, but a lot of times he couldn't because... He was, uh, his life was taken over by the position that he had as a job. Not my mom. My mom showed up for all the games. And uh, you'd think that the wife of a general manager would be a big sports follower and have opinions. No, my mom had a lot of opinions on life, but sports was not really one of them. But darn it if she didn't show up for every single game. And she always drove, and it was always in our country squire station wagon that we were piling kids in and my teammates and the like and my mother took us absolutely everywhere she always volunteered i think she enjoyed hanging with the other mothers at the game as much if not more than actually watching her son play but she showed up for everything and that's uh, we, we we use that phrase all the time about your most important ability is your availability well, my mother was always available, and she always showed up, and she always took her responsibility of getting us to the games. And she was just a, a great mom to have because you knew you were never missing a game. She was going to get you there. She knew how important it was. Uh, that I do think she got from my dad that sports was important in uh, molding our lives. So she was just great for the fact that she showed up for every single game I played. I didn't talk to her about, hey, Mom, how do you think I played after the game? Okay. She had no idea whether I played good, bad, or indifferent, but she showed up all the time, and I loved her for it. Nice. Well, mine, like yours, involves my mom taking me to the game, 12 years old, playing Little League Baseball for the Snyder Tigers. Uh, and I was a catcher that year. Um, and so it's early in the game. I'm behind the plate, and the batter swings and hits a foul ball straight into the mask. Um, and back then it was the, like the, the old Yogi Berra masks, right? Like three prongs going across 
And so it, the foul ball knocks the mask into my eyeglasses and shatters my eyeglasses. Oof. Yeah, so I'm standing up and my eyeglasses, the glass just like tinkles to the ground and the frames fall down. And these things are just, they're shot. And I'm thinking, I, my vision wasn't very good. I would, certainly couldn't play catcher without glasses, couldn't play the game without glasses. I'm thinking, I'm going to have to leave these, this game. I'm not, I don't really care about my glasses being broken, although I should have. But I'm thinking, I, I'm done for the night. I love playing Little League, and I'm going to have to leave the game. And what's going to happen? And my mother was at the game in the stands. And at the time, my mother and I had very similar prescriptions for eyeglasses. Uh, my vision was pretty much like her vision. And she got out of the seats, ran down to behind the mesh fence, uh, iron mesh fence, and reached her glasses through the fence to hand them to me. <laughs> and by the way, Jody, I'm talking like a long time ago when the style of ladies' glasses was, you know what the Harlequin look is? Oh, yeah. Like, like a teardrop thing going out. And I think they were like aqua blue green with like little diamonds. I mean, it's Ooh, like something out of the stylish. far side. Yeah. and Not real diamonds, you know, little little things. And it's like I could either put those glasses on and finish the game or get in the car and go home. And damn if I didn't put them on and play the rest of the game with those glasses catching and batting. All right. Now, did you have a good day either catching and or hitting and say, hey, guess what, Ma? These are my glasses now. Jody, four for four and yeah. going to run out, going to second. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't remember. I honestly don't remember that, but I do remember the glasses, and I remember my mother being such a good sport and then letting me wear her glasses. So that's that great. Was, that was it. So if you uh, if you call us today and you have a good story, good memory of your mom taking you to the game, or your mom coaching you, or your mom playing with you, teaching you how to throw a curveball, whatever it is. Let's honor the moms today by talking about how they helped you in sports. Our uh, friend, speaking of re- speaking of guys who like the referees, Rick and Easton joins us. See, now I didn't let you influence me to, before I made calls, right? So, Jody, uh, and I know I've said this, but I don't know all our <laughs> listeners. Rick, Rick was maybe still is a a high school wrestling referee. Okay, and one time had the temerity yeah. to call stalling on my son when he was leading Ooh. a match. And they, he ends up winning the match, which is why you call stalling. But we'll go there some other time. Right now, it's more Sixers are more important than wrestling. Uh, by the way, bringing up officials, Lou Bonder was an influential guy in this area from Newtown Square that gave birth to a lot of officials that hmm. went into the NCAA's and, and into the into the um, NBA. But guys, I couldn't agree with you more about your assessment of what the Sixers should do. And I'm thinking, keep it simple, K I S S. Do what they did in Game 5 and Game 6, Jody. Well, you have to make the open shots, as you said earlier, and you have to make layups. I never saw this team, I never saw a team miss so many layups and get them blocked. I never remember Dr. J and Collins on a fast break ever not making and converting a layup. So I, I think let's not get too creative like it did in the draft in the first round. They finally stayed put, and look what they got when they stayed put. They got Maxi, probably their best draft pick, since MB, keep it sure. simple. But you guys realize, and you touched us base on this earlier, Jody, there has not been a Celtic tandem since Sam Brown and Havlicek. That's 1969 that averaged 25 points like Tatum and Brown have. It's a fact. So I think if you just let them no do what they McHale? do. McHale never got there, huh? 
No, McHale never got there. I looked it up when I saw it, and it kind of like it, it was kind of interesting. But they haven't done that since '69. Listen, just like we weren't going to stop Kelsey and Kansas City in the Eagles Super Bowl, you're not going to stop Tatum. You're not going to stop Brown. You got to stop the other players. If they play defense, make their layups, and make their open shots, I think they could win the game. Works for me. Uh, I'm in agreement with you. I think they're going to ride their two stars uh, if you can keep everyone else out of it. And here's here's what scares me, and the Sixer fans aren't going to want to hear this. Al Horford has been a complete dud these last yeah, two games. He has. Good. He 0 for 7 in yeah, game good. number 5. Yeah, he just kept putting them up and clanking them off the rim. He had one hoop the other night in the Celtic win. He's given them next to nothing the last two games. He's kind of due. And I know he's persona non grata in this town because he came here and didn't perform after getting a big contract. I give him more of a pass than most people do. Because I just thought it was a bad signing. I thought it was a bad fit. Before he ever took the floor for the Sixers, I said, I don't think he and Embiid can play on the court at the same time, and I was kind of proven right. So I don't hold that against him. He took the money. The Sixers offered him big money, took the money. I fear Al Horford making a couple of big threes. I hope, I hope that the struggling continues for Horford, but he's, he's, he's laid an egg two games in a row. He's kind of due to make a couple of those threes. Uh, Do we get to hear from his sister on social media? Probably. Yeah. Hannah. Mac and Melvern, take us through the hour, Mac. What do you got? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Great show. Listen, I was, the thing that bugs me and I told the screener, Harden has got to have one. Has got to have a good game. Uh, this attitude of coming through when they won, I guess it was Game Five, uh, and then and then pl- like he plays when he wants to get good, he's good. If he pulls this kind of nonsense, he needs to be packing the station wagon next year. If, uh, it's like if if it's James like, Harden, if James, if the Sixers lose today, and James Harden has a similarly bad game, I would imagine the chances of seeing him back here next year are pretty slim. Well, that'd be good because we need to get back to coaches not putting up with these attitudes. I remember well, when that's not, that, that's not going to change. I mean, that's you know, the, the, you're, you're trying well, to go back for 30 years in sports, but that's not going to happen. But it, never say never. I mean, look what from, yeah, when Vermeil when Vermeil let go of Poe po James because he was Again, a bad attitude. You're back to right. 40 years exactly. ago. Exactly. What year was that, Mac? Big guy. <laughs> that was that was I believe 1980 something one. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go back 30 years. Okay, I'll go back 40. Sports has changed, my friend, uh, and, and particularly the NBA. It doesn't work that way. And we love Dick Vermeil. 215-592-9494. Coming up on the other uh, side of this break, we're going to check in with Derek Bodner, the man who knows as much about this franchise as anybody, see what he thinks is going to happen today, and we will talk to you throughout the day. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Great time of year in the world of sports, basketball and NHL playoffs. You got the U.S. Open coming up next week, baseball night in and night out. Great time of year with the Bet Park Sportsbook app in my hand. I have all I need. It's always more fun when you have skin in the game. Join me, download the Bet Park Sportsbook app right now, the only sportsbook app I recommend and play with. 
And, yes, I did bet the Sixers to win the championship. I'll give you details on that coming up. Uh, Live in-game betting, same-game parlay, so many offerings, so many different wages you can make, player props, basketball points, rebounds, assists. If you're doing the baseball thing night in, night out, home runs, strikeouts, you name it, they offer it. And for you new users who've never played with Parks before, bet $10, get $125 in a sportsbook bonus if your first bet is a winner. BetParks.com has all the terms and conditions. New users only and winning bets for the sports bonus bet, which must be wagered once. See website for details. Get in the game and get more action with your action with the BetPark Sportsbook app. Must be 21 and in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Another three. That's good. Allen Iverson from downtown. All night, Bill. Allen Iverson getting the job done from three. Momentum swinging. Doc Rivers with a quick timeout. Celtics have to wake up. By the way, that was the Doc Rivers who coached Baltimore. Baltimore, Boston, (laughs) not the Doc Rivers currently coaching the Sixers, if you remember that. We are delighted to be joined now by one of the wisest men when it comes to talking basketball in this town. That would be Derek Bodner, and uh, Derek Bodner is the 76ers reporter at TheDailySix.com, podcaster at Sixers Beat. Uh, Derek, first of all, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on this day, which is going to be a busy one. Let me start with this question. For the Sixers to win today, this has to happen. Uh, they need James Harden to be aggressive in the paint. You know, I really thought when that game turned in game six, uh, it was pretty much the opening possession where because of the of Boston starting that two big lineup with Robert Williams as a roamer, James Harden did not want to attack the rim. He did not want to score at the rim. They really were able to take away the two-man game with Embiid, and they dared the Sixers three-point shooters to make them pay. Sixers three-point shooters didn't make them pay, and James Harden never really found that aggressiveness he had at various points in the season. I think he needs to be aggressive. And that won't always mean shots, but a lot of times it will, and it'll definitely mean more kick-out passes to three-point shooters in the corners. I think they need a good James Harden, clearly, to have a chance. All right. I just want to follow up on that. Sorry, Jody, just real quickly, because what I what I heard after the game was James Harden say, you know, the, when I drove, those should have been fouls. The refs weren't giving me the fouls. That's what happened. Uh, which seems to be in a game where the refs wanted to let him play, he's not looking to do exactly what you think he ought to be doing. Yeah, well, I think I think I would disagree with that, and I think there were certainly some calls that could have gone either way, but I don't think James necessarily earned those calls either. Um, again, I'm going to go right back to the first possession of the game. He, you know, came off the pick and roll with Embiid. Robert Williams was standing right there. He tried to make a very risky bounce pass to P.J. Tucker that had probably a 5% chance of working. And even if it worked, P.J. Tucker wasn't doing anything with the ball anyway. I think he needed to be more aggressive. I think he has been cognizant of the fact that he has struggled at the rim. Boston brought on a hyper-athletic 7-foot shot blocker to meet him there. I think they need a better way to attack that. I think that's a much bigger concern than the foul discrepancy. All right. Uh, Glenn asked me a similar question at the start of the show, specific thing, coaching moves, something that could be done. want to see if you're on the same page with me. I think the Sixers need to push the ball a little bit more today. I'm not talking about racehorse basketball and leave them beads standing at half court because they're trying to get breakouts on every single possession. But when it's there – They need to take it. If the Celtics are going to go big and play both Horford and Williams, specifically at the start and enough minutes together, that's the way I would try and counter that is we're going to try and beat you down the floor. Agree or disagree? 
Yeah, look, 100%, especially not only with Joel not being the quickest, but James Harden is a very deliberate, walks the ball off the floor, get in their offense. Boston has had six defenders for a good chunk of this series, the sixth one being the shot clock. When you start getting in your offense with eight seconds left, you just have fewer options. You just have fewer, you know, pump fakes, driving lanes, driving kick. You just can't do as much with it. Uh, and I think that got in the sixes, especially there in the second half. You know, maybe part of that was the fact that they were running on tired legs. Maybe some of that was the fact that the sixers, perimeter shooters were missing shots and they started second guessing. But they just got into their stuff way too late. And even if you don't get, like, strict transition buckets, because, look, Boston has a huge athleticism advantage in this. You just need to get into your stuff earlier. Maybe that'll be a transition bucket. Maybe that'll be a cross match that you can tack. Or maybe it's just that you now have more options because you have four more seconds left on the shot clock. They just need to be more quick. They just need to be quicker. Derek Bodner is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Derek, D-E-R-E-K, Bodner, B-O-D-N-E-R-N-B-A. Um, so how do I ask this question? Um <laughs> You have been well, – no, actually, I, you know, I, well, I'll ask something else first. We'll get back to this one in a minute. Both we'll teams have won – yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll work – you know that. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. haven't interviewed you in 10 years without that's being a big part of it. But I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to rush that. Let, let's that one age well. Let, let's anticipate okay. that. Let's talk about this first. Both teams are one and two at home. Um, I know the NBA maybe doesn't have as big a home court or home field advantage as some other sport. Yeah, actually, maybe it does. Why Why do you think it has been so difficult for teams to win at home or, conversely, so easy for the road team to win four of the six games? Yeah, it's a great question because, quite frankly, in all the four games that the other team won, the home crowd was fantastic. Like, I'll give Boston credit for, for their home crowd. It's a really good home crowd. Same thing with the Sixers, you know, in-game three when they came back and in game six there on Thursday night, all fantastic crowds. It is a little bit head scratching. You know, I certainly think with the way that the NBA has trended towards more possessions and more three point shots, there's some variance that's just tough to overcome, even with, you know, a good crowd and good energy, but there still should be some kind of a home court for advantage. It's been, it's been strange. I don't know if I have a great answer for that. Derek, this should be fun. Uh, what effect will the referees have on today's game? Uh, well, are you trying to say that Scott Foster might, uh, might impact the game a little bit? Uh, I'm letting you um, take it wherever you see fit, my friend. Yeah. Look, they've been bad this series. I don't focus too much on referees, in part because you control what you can control. And the Sixers, you know, the Sixers played a perfect game there in game six and were you know, screwed over by some calls. Then maybe I'd get on them. The Sixers were nowhere near playing a perfect game. So I don't really, you know, will they have an impact? Yeah, probably. I just hope it's consistent. If you're not going to you know, let stuff go, let stuff go. You're going to call things tight and try to, you know, call technicals to get players under control and do it even. Like, they will miss calls. What they can't do is not know the rules on a clear pass foul. You know, the in game six there, they had Joel Embiid shoot free throws. Yeah, that was ridiculous. 30 seconds of game time later, which was like five minutes in real time, they go, oh, no, 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 those don't count. Tyrese Maxey has to shoot those. You can't not know the rules in that spot. You can't force Doc Rivers to challenge a call that was clearly not a goaltend and burn his challenge. Which, by the way, if you win a challenge, should not be, uh, you should not lose it, but that's the rules are the rules. Mm-hmm. They need to be better, for sure, for sure. All right, let's consider what's at stake here today. If uh, let, Let's start with the positive. If they win, 
They go to the conference finals for the first time since 2001, and we played that Allen Iverson uh, highlight coming in. Um, and there's, it would seem they would go in as the favorite, right? They'll be facing a lower team seed uh, in the Heat. That's uh, old nemesis Jimmy Butler. Um, do we believe if they win, it gives them a good road to the NBA finals, and maybe they'd even be a favorite in the finals? They would certainly be a favorite in the, the conference finals. You know, I think with the way the Nuggets are playing, I think you would have to make, assuming they make it past the Lakers, I think you would probably have to make them a favorite there. The, the Nuggets are favorite. If they play a matchup with the Lakers, maybe the Sixers would end, be, end up being the uh, favorite in that matchup. But they would certainly have a, a, a solid chance. Yeah, I think it's probably, if they win this series, uh, I think this might be the most favorite they've been in their series since the Atlanta Hawks a few years ago. Here's Ooh. the thing to remember in the NBA final. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on. That didn't work out well. That's not good. <laughs> I yeah, just yeah, no, add... I kind of threw that in there just because. Yeah, yeah, happened. you slid that one by. I just want to add this one to the mix just uh, for, and uh, th- this is a good karma thing. They win this uh, game today. They beat Miami. They got home court advantage against whoever they play in the finals. Even though the Nuggets won the Western Conference, the Sixers won one more game than they did this year, and that determines home court advantage. So if if the Nuggets take out the Lakers in five and the Sixers go seven against Miami, I think that plays into it. But they do have home court advantage if they make it to an NBA final. Yeah, no, look, they're in a really good spot. Not as good of a spot as they were coming into Thursday night's game when they had two games to close it out. But they're in a really good spot here. Uh, and quite frankly, I thought this was going to be a real tough series for them. For it to go seven games and to have it do or die, like I, I think there should be ample excitement. I think they have a chance. All right. Let's let's talk the other side, and, and we all hope this doesn't happen. If they lose uh, after owning game six right up to the fourth quarter, I mean, it will be a historic collapse in a town that has seen many historic collapses. What do you think it will spark in terms of a makeover of the roster of the coaching staff? Is you know start start with Doc, uh, third straight postseason face plant. Would we think it's the end of Doc Rivers' term? Look, I don't. I'm not going to pretend to know what Daryl Morey and ownership is thinking if they do lose this series. You know, I mean, we just saw it last night with Monty Williams, where when you lose, even if you won. You know, a title in the past in, in Budenholzer, even if you made a, a finals in the past with Bonnie Williams, you have a chance of, you know, losing your job as a result of it. And I don't necessarily think Doc Rivers has been too blame here so far in the series. But when you blew, blow a series like the Sixers did a few years ago in, uh, against the Hawks, you put yourself up where even if it's just a chance occurrence happens, but where you lose two more in a row, then your job's in jeopardy. And, um, you know, I think everything is everything is short. of. I think Joe's going to be back, obviously. But Harden, Doc Rivers, I think that's all in question. I, I think this is a monumental series for both teams. Uh, the Sixers more so because of the past coming up short. Key guy in the whole where do we go from here if they lose to me is Tyrese Maxey. Is he untouchable? Is it highly unlikely you would trade him? Or are you of the mindset – Everything but Joe goes. I think Joe's the only true untouchable, but I think the way I'd characterize Maxi is there's just not a deal likely to make sense. So he's probably practically untouchable, even if not specifically untouchable. Everything else, yes. 
let's get to the debate that you, that you and I have had for a decade. And I, I respect, and I said this going in, I respect your opinion on the Sixers and basketball as much as anybody in this town. Um, and you and I kind of viewed the process differently. If they win today, uh, does it justify the process? No, I think the process is justified regardless. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, then I guess my question, my second question would be null and void. Which is if they lose two days. Oh, I'm definitely going to ask it. You can answer it however you want, but we're asking it. If they lose today and Doc Rivers is gone and James Harden is gone and, you you know, here we go again, starting all over uh, and being the only safe one here, I imagine, maybe Maxie, is that not say that after 10 years, the process that was designed to get you past the second round and never did is not a success? By the way, the correct answer right. would be yes. That would be the correct answer. Sure, I know that's what you believe. So here's what I'll say. <laughs> Two teams now in the last few years have traded for Kevin Durant, right? Mm-hmm. Neither one has won a championship. Should those teams have traded for Kevin Durant? Well, well I didn't think they should have this last time, but whatever. I, I hear your point. Right. All right. The point is there's no guarantee in anything, even trading for an established star or drafting one who hasn't proven anything. I think there's always going to be that risk when you go for it, when you try to make yourself relevant. The key is to put yourself in a spot where you have a chance. And you can actually go, I I don't usually plug my articles, but you can go to dailysix.com. I posted an article this morning where I linked to three articles from 2012 and 2013, before Sam Hinkie was even hired, saying the Sixers needed to prioritize losing, getting draft picks, to get a better chance at getting an MVP candidate. And that even though it didn't guarantee anything, this was their best chance to get that MVP caliber player that they needed. So I've always been on this. They got their MVP caliber player. They've made a few missteps along the way after that. But I thought to get in this spot where we can be contending for a chance to go to the finals, you needed a a Joel Embiid caliber player to do so. That was a required first step. It was not a guarantee. And I think three years of losing was justified. But aren't we all judged by the eventual results? The, 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 the concept, the theoretical way of looking at things is very nice and it's defensible and everything. And then the results all come in and you go thumbs up or thumbs down. If they don't win today and or Joel Embiid gets moved during this offseason and he is the final piece of the process, you got to go thumbs down. Do you not, Derek? No, because my, my goal in that short period of time, which was only three years, was to get an MVP caliber player. They did so. There's a lot of failures that have come before and after that, uh, but that goal for that stage of the rebuild for me was to get someone like Joel Embiid. Okay. So that's the way I looked at it. I I, I looked at what they did as the best chance they had to get a franchise-altering talent. They did so. So for me, that three-year period was a success because of it. Okay. Uh, Listen, I, I... I hope they win the whole thing, and the, everybody, the process servers, uh, will will allow me to join the parade because I'll go to the parade. And you know, I, I would I would love this thing to work out in the end, as as you know, because we've debated. I never liked it. By the way, your stories on the Daily Six dot com are always worth reading, even if they weren't written back in twenty twelve. And you're always a great guest, and we appreciate it immensely. My pleasure, anytime. DB, right, thanks, bud. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you in the next round. We hope. There you go. There you go. He'll be back on again. Yeah. He was. He was 
as he said, he supported the thing before they even did it. And let me get on the record real quick. And I know we got to get a break in here, and then we'll get back on the phone. My my stance on the process was this: I had no issue whatsoever with the concept of it. That the Sixers needed to go backwards to go forwards. I agreed wholeheartedly with that. And even the chance uh, hiring of Sam Hinkie. All right, he's from Houston. He's a little bit of a geeky guy, but maybe he's got something that's going to work here. Let's roll the dice on this. The levels to what they where they took it to me was above and beyond you sh- what you should have asked Sixer fans to put up with. And that's where I got off the process train. I was not a, you can't do this, this is stupid, who the hell is Sam Hinkie kind of guy. I signed on for it. I was good with it. But as it continued to develop and unfold, I'm going, when when do we land the plane? When exactly do we start trying to win games? You tell them we got to go three years before we get to a maybe? That's when I got off, Glenn. And, and some are still, like uh, our buddy Mr. Bodner, still tied to it. And uh, the conceptual aspect of it outweighs everything else. Sorry, I'm a results-oriented guy. And if the results aren't there, I've got to say failure. Just because you had a good idea and you stuck to it and you were passionate about it doesn't make it right. The results determine whether it was right or wrong. The results are still in, and a big piece of the puzzle will be decided today with whether they win or lose this game. I was going to say, about whatever, six hours from now, uh, to me, we'll have a much better sense of it. Yep. So there you go. Um, you know what, Sean in Levittown, hang in because I want to give you a full amount of time and I got to take a break here. Uh, people, everybody's invited to join at 215-592-9494. We've talked to all six or so far. We're going to work in a few other things, including the Eagle schedule, including the flyer, Flyers, excuse me, hiring of Keith Jones. The Phillies on a little bit of a nice run. So we're going to get all of that coming up and I uh, would love to hear from you. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now. It's Mother's Day on 94 WIP. Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack now. We'll go to the phones in just a minute. I want to uh, work the Eagles in here. Let's go over the schedule a little bit. Um, it's funny because when we started this show, I, I said kind of quickly, I don't like it. And you said, really? Which suggests to me that you kind of like the Eagles schedule. No, I didn't oh. say that. Here's what I said. The schedule's the schedule. We knew the 17 teams they were playing and where they were playing. We just didn't know when and the order that they would be doled out in. I don't think it's helpful to the Eagles. I don't think it's hurtful to the Eagles. You, you know, my other partner, John McMullen, uh, he, he played it ahead of time before they came out with the schedule. He said, I can't wait for the first. The Eagles have been disrespected comment because of the schedule they're given. And, of course, they got them. Uh, John was exactly right. The people who think that the NFL office sits around and does either one of two things, either tries to help the Eagles out, that oh, because they went no. to the Super Bowl, they should be given an easier schedule or concessions could be made to them because of their success is ridiculous. And for those who think the NFL sits there and says, oh, we can't have Philadelphia be good again. We need to put the schedule together to make it more difficult for them to not be over, able to overcome it. It's ridiculous. Do you know who the schedule makers count out to, Glenn? The yeah, television the networks. networks. Yeah, which not is why Philadelphia, your, jet, your Jets not are Kansas on uh... – 25 primetime games. 
understood because of Aaron Rodgers, not because we need to do this to lift the Jets up. They do it because the television networks who pay billions of dollars want to have more games with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, let me clarify what I don't like, and it's it's not – that because you're right you play the whatever eight nine home games and the eight nine road games you play and the order is the order now they really they do to put it in simplest terms they open with a pretty easy block of games and then toward the end of the season they have what looks now like about six very tough games in a row although you never know what you're going to get i mean two years ago the rams were in the super bowl last year the rams were five and twelve so mm-hmm. You don't know how good teams are going to be. You can project, but it's not always right. No, what I don't like about the schedule, Jody, is if it no, were up to me. No one o'clock games? Yeah, there's three one o'clock <laughs> games in 17 games. Three. There's a lot of night games, man. And and listen, I know people love night games. I I like I like football on Sunday afternoon. It is my preference. I appreciate that the Eagles – because they are good, correct. Get all of the Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night. I, I was going to say, Mac, if you're unhappy because they don't have one o'clock games, there's only one a group of individuals yeah, you I can know. look at for that. That would be the Philadelphia Eagles I know. because they're I that good. Get it? Yes. Doesn't mean I love it. And the one thing, and and Mike and I talked about the suggestion. We got some blowback on it, which surprised me. Which is they play Christmas Day, which is a Monday, at four thirty. Now. I'm not even Christian, so I don't celebrate Christmas, although mm-hmm. I do celebrate the birthday of Judy Mac now that day, which is, you know, <laughs> kind of a big deal around these parts. Yeah. Um, but I th- I thought most fans would look at that day. Uh, they play the Giants at home that day and say, can you just give us Christmas off? Or even if it's if it's Monday night, like, okay, you know, you get to celebrate Christmas all day, and then it's you're like, I got to get away from my kids. I'll go to the game. But when the game's at 4.30, it's like, okay, kids, open the presents fast. I got Dad's got to get to the game. But more – I actually did it as a Twitter poll, and I think it was like 60-40 people thought, yeah, that's great. That surprised me. Here's, from a very Philadelphia-centric point of view, what I would add. Unless we start process two, because the Sixers get beat today and they decide – Where's Sam Hickey? He's still available, right? He hasn't got another. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good job. Let's bring him back and go down the same road again. The Sixers are going to be playing Christmas Day because they're going to have Joel Embiid. And they're going to be one of the top eight teams in the NBA. So you've got the full day of basketball on Christmas. Oh, by the way, Sixers right into the uh, Eagles. 
maybe the Sixers play at 1 and the Eagles play at 4.30. So when are you going to open the presents? If you're bound by watching major Philadelphia sporting events, you better open the presents at, uh, before the sun comes up at 6.30 yeah, in can, the morning. You, you can take off of the NBA. They play 82 of those. You can take one of those off. Yeah, but the NBA is own Christmas for the better part of a couple of decades. And, 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 the, and you know what? The and, and, bully and NFL is taking their stance of, oh, yeah, we'll take Christmas. We own on everything. Monday, right. The NFL owns everything, which is also part of my thing. And I talked about this yesterday with Mike. I saw recently um, a list of the top 100 watched and everything on TV last year. So it included sports, pro and college uh, shows, political stuff, news stuff, series, specials, everything. You know, Oscars, Emmys, everything was on TV. 77 of the top 100 things on TV last year were NFL games. Yep. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of games. Um, if, if you had given me 80 as an over and under, I would have taken over. I'm okay. surprised it's only 77. Well, there you go. Um and so they can just say, okay, well, we're, we're going to play four thirty on Christmas Day, and then you'll and you'll and you'll like it. And and I'm wrong because the response is most people do like it. So because they're diehard Eagle fans and they they prioritize that over uh, Santa's deliveries. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I'm yeah. surprised by it, but I'm I I can't say that I'm shocked. Yeah. Anyway, they open at the Pats. I'm not going to do go through the 17 games. I kind of like that they open at the Pats. I think I think Belichick's team's going to come in last this so year, I. and I think it gets you off to a nice one and zero start. Then you come home, play the Vikings on a Thursday night, and some people are saying like, "Well, why do they get Thursday?" Well, the Vikings got to go on the road in a short schedule, so that doesn't hurt the Eagles. So they'll get off to a nice start. And one more quick point on the Eagles' schedule uh, again. Uh, just to the to the radicals out there who always think that there's some conspiracy and grassy knoll and everything else. If the Eagles had opened at home, because I've heard this, how dare the Eagles NFC champions, they should be able to open up at home. Oh, okay, if they open up at home, this is a year where they have the extra game on the road yeah. rather than at home. So if you play at home week one, well, now you've only got seven home games and nine road games. How can the Eagles have nine road games out of there? It's a no-win situation. The schedule makers can't win. They gave the Eagles the schedule that they have. As a matter of fact, if you really want to get picky about it, I like the early, easy start because uh, they need to transition in some guys. They've got a pretty good roster turnover here. So an easier start. If you've got to have a tough uh, part of your schedule, it's in a perfect spot. It couldn't have put, been put in a better place. Second half, when you're more in stride with your overall team, but not the very end of the schedule where you kind of softened up the Giants who you own in Arizona so that you can get back to winning ways if you have a tough time getting through that gauntlet of games. And then you hit the playoffs running. I actually yeah. think the layout of the schedule is beneficial to the Eagles. Okay. There you go. Let's get Sean in Levitan. Thanks for your patience. Sean, what's in your mind? Glenn and Jody, how are you guys doing today? Very good. Great. So, um, this the other night, Thursday night, when the Sixers got back and they captured the lead, I was like, "This is it. We got this." And it was, it was, we we were going, we were going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then it was like seeing seeing Jalen Hurts drop drop that ball, fumble in the Super Bowl, and I was like, "What, what just happened here?" <laughs> like. I, I just couldn't believe what I the collapse that I saw, and I, I just think that this team they're good, but I feel like they lack 
they lack a lot, and their bench their bench is is weak. And, and if you think of the good good teams, good Sixers teams of the past, they the good teams they had, they had a great bench, and mm-hmm. you know. And another thing, I, I feel that this offense should run through Tyrese Maxey. And I, just hear me out. I don't want to um, hmm. sound crazy because you got Harden and, and B. But if if Maxey plays well, the, the, the whole the regular the, the whole team plays better. And you know, it's tough watching Harden worry about drawing a foul rather than making a basket. When he does the one on ones, he 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 worries about drawing a foul before making a basket. It's frustrating to watch. Well, I he, he that, I mean, he virtually admitted that after the last game when he said, I was driving and they weren't calling the fouls. Well, then he completed And, you can, and me at home on the couch can see that. It's, yeah. it's, it's very obvious what he's, what he's doing. And the other team knows it too. So, you know, I'd rather see Maxi, you know, control the ball more because I just feel that when he, when he plays a, a better game, the rest of the team does too. And B's going to get his points. But if he needs to play his position, and I know this is, you know, this is one of a point that we've been talking about for years. It's just frustrating to see a guy that's seven foot two not play as strong as he is. I mean, he does sometimes, but he doesn't do it all the time. And I guess inconsistency that's frustrating. Quick question for you, Tyrese Maxey. Do you know which seventy sixer took the most shots in the last game? It was Tyrese Maxey. Correct. So I'm not sure that they 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 undersold Tyrese or they underused Tyrese Maxey or Harden forced shots and they were all worried about Tyrese took the most shots on the team and he shot it well enough nine of twenty and that that's good but it's not outrageously good it wasn't bad but I think your stance of they need to do more with Maxey and need 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 to use Maxey more and he's got to be a bigger part of it well he took more shots than anybody else last game and they came up short and scored. 86 points. By the way, he referenced the the Hurts fumble in the Super Bowl. Um, this is this is a this is it, it's funny because that is not to me the the. Uh, let me uh, just as a side note, when you think about the loss in the Super Bowl, is there one play that you go to? No, it was a combination of things. There okay. wasn't one play like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. The strip sack was the one play. That well, was for me, the that's funny because for me, for me, the Philly special is the one play. The strip sack saved the game, right? But to me, the 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 image that I will always have because it was so audacious, and it summed up Doug Peterson saying, "I'm not going to be intimidated by Belichick. We're going to do this," uh, or Nick Foles. To be honest, it, to me, it's the Philly special. Uh, but to me, in the Super Bowl, the one play to me that just still burns in my heart was the that horrible punt by Sippus in the punt return. Yeah, that was not good. But we don't we don't think of, and we should we don't think of special teams really as plays in the game. They're oh. they're they're their own separate little entity. And man, did that fall flat on Killed its him. face. Yeah. But it's I, I I I that's so funny you said. I don't even consider it a play. It's not. It's special teams. It's this off to the side can be very important and, oh, damn it, if it wasn't type of uh, play. But I, I only think of plays when you ask me what's the play, yeah. I would never consider a special team. It was play. a weakness all season of that team, uh, pretty much other than Jake Elliott, pretty much all sides of it. Um, well, the punt returner was actually pretty good. I want to bet on him, so I shouldn't complain about it. Which, by, by the way, since you went there, Mac, man, I know we got to get the break. Um the punt god is now available again. I know. 
It's and really he interesting. Been, he has been quasi cleared. The the civil lawsuit is still in place, but they've completely cleared him of all criminal charges. And the video that they compiled in the investigation shows that he wasn't even there in the house at the time of the alleged gang rape. Should he get another chance? And if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, and I don't know what they think of the player, and uh, I've, I've never met him. I don't know what kind of kid he is. Maybe there's a reason you don't want to sign him. But they did move up in the draft to take a guy who's got a civil suit still sitting and pending against him. But Matarizer, you would say, no, we can't bring him into our locker room, really? That's a Dom DeSangro thing, right? Yep. Um you know, I don't know the particulars of the case. Like you, I saw that he was exonerated, and yeah, he wasn't there. Uh, again, I don't, I don't know if there are extenuating circumstances. I don't know if there are other things. I don't know if he's the greatest guy in the world who just got railroaded. Um, but if I'm Howie Roseman, I'm well. I'm sure he already has checked in with Dom. I'm sure they already did this last year and say, so what do we think of this kid? Um, and if if he checks checks out. Yeah, I mean, one thing they still need, Jody, is a punter. Upgrade a punter, yes, sir. Oh, yeah. So, I wouldn't, again, I, I need to know more before I say yes, but it sounds like the kid probably deserves that opportunity that he didn't get last year. All right, 215-592-9494. Uh, James and Kevin are next. At noon, Anthony Sanfilippo is going to join us, and we're going to talk a little. Keith Jones, our pal Keith Jones, is now the – Head of Hockey Operation for the Philadelphia Flyers. If you had that one in the advanced pool, you win a lot. Because <laughs> I didn't see it. Uh, Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. And it is time for me to tell you that if you're tired of dealing with those old, inefficient windows in your house, maybe it's time for you to go Gaida. How about that drafty, beat-up-looking entry door? You pin it over more times you can count. Well, go Gaida. You need added protection from the elements with a new storm door? Go Gaida. And what about that sliding patio door, the garage door? You may need to replace that. Hey, go Gaida. Whatever your home improvement needs are, I suggest you go Gaida with the great people at Gaida Door and Window. Now, to help get your project started, Gaida is offering 20% off all windows and doors while allowing you to start your project with no money down and up to three full years to pay them off interest-free. That's right. Receive 20% instant savings with the luxury of paying off your project interest-free for up to 36 months. Restrictions apply. Offers for a limited time. So what are you waiting for? It is time you finally go Gaida. Call today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go gaida or visit them at gogaida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Here's the pitch. Swung on. Blasted. Right field. Forget about it. Long gone for Harper off the facing of the second deck. He finally got that breaking ball, and he clobbered it. His second home run of the season. And it's a two-run shot in the ninth inning, and the Phillies now lead it 7-4. to four. Well, there you go. That was last night as the Phillies go out to Colorado and win. Um, they're six in a row, finally back over 500. Jody, 2019. Ranger Suarez made his debut last night. Didn't look particularly good, but he's back, and that's good news. So Bryce Harper, who you just heard hit that monster shot, he has uh, he has been to bat 37 times. He's gotten on base 18 of those times. He's hitting 406. 
Jody, the guy had Tommy John surgery less than five months ago, and he's he's got 11 runs in the last eight games and five extra base hits, and he is it impossible that he could make the all-star team after missing the first month of the season? Not impossible. Uh, the guy you might have to beat out is Castellanos, who's playing like an all-star as well. Yeah, and that's which, nice to see, too. I'm, yeah. I'm really happy to see that. Didn't didn't necessarily see that one coming. I was not near as bullish on Castellanos as some others were, so more power to him. I'll eat crow on that one. Uh, I think it's only five in a row that the Phillies have won. They lost six, and now they've won Oh, uh, you know, yeah, they're going for – I'm sorry. They, they are looking for their sixth straight win today. Yeah, I, I misstated that. Yeah. Correct, um, which will take. Five is good. Six would be better. See if they can get uh, the sixth one today to uh, balance out that five-game losing streak. Um, yeah, last night's game was good. I was on the air, so I got to watch it while I was on the air on CBS. And a little tip of the cap, because this is a bugaboo of mine, a pet peeve, call it what you want. Um, when managers get things wrong, they get crushed on, oh, by the way, I'll crush Rob Thompson, even though I'm a friend and a fan of his, when he makes mistakes, I'm going to come on the air and tell you about him. But altogether too often when a guy pushes a right button and, uh, the team ends up winning the game, people just like chalk it up as, oh, well, that's what he was supposed to do. He goes to, uh, Hoffman last night in the eighth inning. It's a, uh, a two-run game. It's a high-leverage situation. You, you, this might have happened while you would – no, I think it happened before you went to France. Do you know how uh, Hoffman ended up back on the Phillies, Mac-Man? Mm-mm. They signed him after the Twins let him out of his contract in spring training. He, had, he wasn't going to make their team. They offered him to get out if he wanted to. He opted to do that, and he signed on with the Phillies on a split contract, minor league, major league contract. He goes down to, or up to, depending on how you look at it geographically, over, they're north, over so you to, shouldn't yeah. say up, to uh, Allentown to become a member of the Iron Pick. He's not pitching all that well there. His ERA, I think, is north of eight. When he comes down to Philly to throw a live batting practice session against Bryce Harper as he's rehabbing, and they're out there, everybody's looking at Harper, and I guess the pitching coach is actually keeping his eye on Hoffman. And they really liked his the movement on his ball. And Bryce wasn't exactly teeing him off in this by-themselves, on-the-field, live batting practice to get Harper ready to rejoin the team. And they said, are you watching this guy? He's actually got movement on his ball. So he goes back down, but they call him back up, even though his stats at AAA say he doesn't look like a major league pitcher. And he gets into his second game last night, and he gave up a run, but it was unearned. I don't know if you're still up watching the game. Uh, Turner just whiffed on a line drive. Yeah, I saw. Right at him, and he just missed it. So it ends up being an unearned run. They get the tying run into scoring position, and he gets the big punch out. I watched his pitches dance up there last night. He's got nice movement on it. I think it's a pretty astute uh, move by the Phillies to give this guy a shot. He's been in the big leagues for years, and he might be a piece in their bullpen. But that was a high-leverage spot last night, Mac, and he got the job done. And do you think anyone said, nice call by Rob Thompson? 
Absolutely not. It never happens. Uh, I go all the way back to Charlie and even managers before this. When they get it right, nobody says anything. They get it wrong. What the hell is he thinking? Why is he doing that? Uh, he doesn't know how to manage a bullpen. We don't give the manager enough credit when they make what seems to be a bit of a gutsy call. And I'd say going to Hamilton, uh, going to Hoffman at that spot was a gutsy call. And he got it right last night in the Phillies one. Uh, I will say this. If they can get production out of Jeff Hoffman, uh, who I'm guessing half our callers don't even know he's on the team at this point. <laughs> uh, it's going to be, to me, probably going to have to be magic by Caleb Cotham, the pitching coach, because Jeff Hoffman has pitched parts or all of seven years in the major leagues and comes to the Phillies with a 5.65 career ERA. Right. So if they can, if they can get him to not stink, by the way, th- 63 homers in 350 innings, that's that's pretty scary. Yeah, that's that, that's that a lot of scary. That's a, that's a lot of Colorado time, though. Uh, uh, that's cut true. Him some slack. Yeah, yeah, and Cincinnati, which is a home run park too. But he um, he has never had success in the major leagues in all those years. So if they can find something there, then somebody's doing a great job. Um, Correct, because he's he, he hasn't shown it in in a lot of years. So that would be would be nice. It'd be good. Get another get another arm for a long season in the bullpen. Let's talk to James in West Philly about Game 7. James, you want to go back to uh, 41 years ago? 41 years ago, on a Sunday morning, uh, I remember waking up that Sunday morning thinking, we have no shot. And I had a gym teacher um, who was a dyed-in-the-wool Celtic fan. And he, when, when the Celtics tied it up three games apiece, he rolled me that Friday. You guys got no chance. We're going to do it to you guys again. I mean, he teased me all day. And that Sunday, when they won that game, it, it's my, it, it, it remains this day my favorite Philadelphia playoff win other than a championship game to this day. I was overjoyed that day. And I remember the late, great, you know, Steve Frederick, your dear departed colleague, saying, Bang! Bang! Yeah. Oh, so many times that day yeah. of, of that game. And, uh, yeah, that was the mail-in mail in the stats, right? That was the mail-in the stat game. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Nobody gave the Sixers a chance. I didn't think we had a chance. That, Mike, that uh, Mike Sielski told a great story about this yesterday. Bill Lyon, the uh, late great Inquirer columnist, was kind of Mike's um, – uh, rabbi, godfather, call what you like, Mentor. and and tells a story about how he wrote a column going into that game about the, how the Sixers had no chance whatsoever. And there was a great quote in there, which is, why are you even bothering to go to Boston? And his answer was, because when somebody asks you to be a pallbearer, you don't decline. Ooh. Uh, yes, good, <laughs> good line. But then yeah. the way Mike told the story yesterday is after the Sixers win the game, Bill Lyon finds Billy Cunningham and says, allow me to be the first in line for the apology parade. Uh, and did. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was an amazing well, thing. today's game, we, we, need, we need 40 from Embiid and, and 25 from somebody else today. That's the secret to the Sixers winning the game. I think we have a much better shot today than we did back then. I'm predicting a Sixers win today, even though I predicted that they would lose the series. But the Sixers are going to win today. I love it. I hope you are correct. Jody, the, uh, what's the, the spread is, you told me, what, five and a half? Uh, six and, six a, half. and a half. Six I was wrong. Okay. Um, 
let, let me get on the record here for a second, Mac. I don't know about you, but I feel I wear three hats on a day like today. There's your fandom hat, there's your objective talk show hat, and there's your wagering hat. I'm a sports better, and I got my Bet Parks app, and I looked it up last night, and I already put my action in for today. Um, my fandom is I want the Sixers to win. I blatantly want the Sixers to win. Uh, I will be rooting hard for the Sixers to win, win, lose, or draw, whether I had or hadn't made a wager ahead of time. My objective uh, sports talk show host hat says they're an underdog. They're a legit underdog. It's going to be very difficult to happen. The old hold the gun to my head, pick the winner one side or the other. Yeah, I got to try and live, so I'd probably take the Celtics. But mm-hmm. then there's the sports wagerer. I bet the Sixers today to not only win today's game, but to win the NBA championship because they're 9-1 to one to win the championship. The Celtics are plus 160. Yeah. So you're not even getting 2-1 to one on the I, Celtics to I win the championship. That. Yeah. And it's game seven. It's 3-3. Three, three. They've yeah. split six games. Why are the Celtics such a heavy favorite? They're the favorite. They're not out of round two. They're the favorite over both the Nuggets and the Lakers yeah. at this point and a major favorite over the Heat. The Sixers are not getting enough respect for having gotten this to game number seven. I had to take nine to one. They win the whole thing. Nine to one is pretty good value. Yep. I mean, even if they, you know, have a thirty percent chance to win today, that's still not a bad bet. That's if they win today, then you're favored in the next round, and then you go and then you're in the finals, and then Jody Mack is looking at you know. That cruise to the Caribbean on all those earnings uh, he's going to get. Did, did, didn't put enough on it to be cruising the Caribbean. Cruise the Jersey Jody Shore, Mack, maybe. But, Carol, uh, we're buying uh, a vacation home. I've we're, won enough. We're, we're not going to France to visit Joe Sixpack. <laughs> I can tell you that on my winning wager Ooh, on the Sixers to win the championship. Not, not to get too deep into it, but, uh, yeah, I'm not going to be spending any more money for a while. That one, that kind of wiped out the old family bank account for a couple months. But that's okay. It was worth it. Never nice. been there. Got to get there. Uh, Kevin in West Philly is with us. Hello, Kevin. Hey, gentlemen, how are you? Uh, first of all, I want to say I go back to 1994 with you guys, and it's it's great to hear you guys back together again. I mean, I go back to Glenn's 72 to nothing prediction with the with the Washington. Yeah, hold on, Redskins get it and, correct. It was, what, 73, 73, to was it? 73 to nothing. 73 to nothing. <laughs> to nothing. Yes, which which would have tied the all time uh, landslide, and, and I believe the Eagles right. lost that game. And Thanks. and believe me, it's great to hear you guys Thank together. Thank you so much. But just going back to to Mike Silski, I I have uh, not my Mike Silski, uh, Derek Bodner. When I hear now people are saying we got a championship or an MVP caliber player, I'm kind of not saying that Derek is, but to me that comes off as rationalizing. We were tanking oh, yeah. to win championships, not to get an MVP caliber player, and so that's why I kind of disagree with some of the processors. But I also asked them if you were on board with it and you knew that you would still be rebuilding and hadn't gotten past the second round, just as you did with Thaddeus Young and, and, and those guys, would you still be on board? And also, how many teams have gotten to or have won the championship since we started that didn't go to the depths that we went to. Uh, That's always been a big point to me is there. Yes. That team as constructed back going, when they decided to do this had reached its maximum. It wasn't going any further, but it is hard for me to believe that throwing away. And it always felt like to me more than three seasons, but whatever, however many seasons you want to count 
um, was the only way to do it, and I'm, I'm with you on that. The one thing that's interesting about the process is it doesn't seem that anybody's ever changed their mind. Yeah, everyone, if you weren't on board, you're still not on board. If you right. were, then you are. But one last thing, uh, Glenn and Jordy, I look at teams, again, uh, that have been there. None of those guys went to the depths that we went to. You look at the Bucks that, that have won. You look at uh, Toronto have won. They all made uh, championship runs by making smart trades and drafting smartly where they were slotted at. So that's my whole disagreement with the process. There are so many teams that have done what we've tried to do during this time span that didn't do what we did. That's all my complaint. Mac, uh, well said, Kevin. Way, thanks so much, and thanks well, for the kind words. Kevin is, is absolutely on point. Here's the key word, only, because that's what a lot of process, process servers said. The only way. Right. To build a championship is to take it down to the studs, suck it up and be bad for as long as you need to, and then build it back up and win. The only way you can win a championship, Glenn, is to do this this way. And as Kevin just pointed out, oh, no, there's a whole bunch of teams that did it a different way and have those results and that championship ring while the Sixers are still trying to get out of the second round. I believe I'm with you entirely on that. All right, coming up, we're going to change topics for a segment. We're going to talk uh, actually some Phillies, too, because he knows how to discuss that. But a lot of interesting um, – the Flyers hired Keith Jones. I don't even know how to tee it up. Uh, to be their uh, head of hockey operations, joining, joining Danny Breer as the general manager, Dan Hilferty as the head of the whole operation. It's an entirely new management team there. Anthony is the guy who's covered it, to my mind, better than anybody over the years. We'll check in with him, and we'll get you on. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald and Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Say what? Now we got a scrap going on right in front of the Philadelphia cage of Joe Sacco. And a big one right there, Jonah. Looks like Keith Jones involved with Sacco. Pretty good roundhouse by Keith Jones. That right arm's going to be sore. Sacco trying to get the left free against Jones. Well, Jody, I tried to find a goal highlight from Keith Jones's career. Really? I mean, he played with Lindris and LeClaire. I figured I could find. There's nothing I could find, so I found I found Jonesy in a fight. Jonesy in a fight? We'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. All right, we are joined now by a guy. There's a lot going on here, including the fact that he used to be a producer working with Jody and I back in the day when we first started up. Anthony Sanfilippo on Twitter as at uh, AntSanPhilly. He is a writer for Crossing Broad where he covers the Flyers and the Phillies. He's the host of Snow the Goalie, Snow the Goalie podcast. Uh, and I believe what the Phillies one is Up Phillies, I believe is the name of it. Let me let me get him on here so that we can uh, get that right. Right? That's I got all. Did I get your resume correct? Uh, it's Crossed Up is the Phillies podcast. Oh, okay. uh, but it's at Up Phillies on Twitter. So you were part right. All right. There you go. Plus a phenomenal yeah. theater director uh, and all of these things. Uh, and I will say, for my money, the the single best, uh, most discerning person who's covered the Flyers over the years, um, which, well, I don't want to. I thank you, Glenn. That, yeah, I, that's okay. That's all you have to say. It's, it's yeah, great. I can I, I can I, leave I, out I the other half that. of that. Yeah, that's all good. <laughs> I, I've ranted about some of the coverage in this town, but you do a great job. So, the Keith Jones thing, 
um, again, I was out of the country, but it floored me. So, and we had Keith on the show yesterday, and he was terrific. Um, how did this happen? Because he says he wasn't even looking for the job. Yeah, it, it's really kind of funny, Glenn, because you know, we talked to him for – we recorded the interview for Snow the Goalie. It's going to come out tomorrow. But um, I basically said to him, I said, listen, I said, I had heard your name as just a, a potential candidate, interview candidate, but really more so – uh, you know, just kind of an exploratory thing, not really as like a serious candidate. And he said that he really wanted to keep it quiet. He didn't tell anyone except for his wife and daughter. Like he didn't tell a soul. He didn't tell his best friends. He didn't tell the other broadcasters. And, and he said he didn't because he didn't want people to think that, you know, he was using his platform as a national broadcaster to try and you know, advance his career. And, and in reality, this was not something he had really thought about until recently. And then he had a conversation with his wife and, and daughter, and they said, yeah, go ahead, go for it. It sounds like something that you'd be great for. So, so that's why it kind of came out of nowhere. And I'll be honest with you, um, I, I had been told uh, a week ago Friday that Eddie Olchuk was the guy that they were going to consider hiring and not Keith Jones. And even on Wednesday, when it kind of started, sort of broke that he was a finalist, Frank Saravalli put that out in the morning. It said it was between Keith Jones and Eddie Olchuk. I was still, I was, I was still telling people, oh yeah, it's going to be Eddie O. Like, <laughs> it's not going to be Keith Jones. So like, it really kind of surprised absolutely everyone mm-hmm. that this took place. And you know, and, and hey, but more power to Keith for for doing it kind of like in a quiet professional manner because that's how he ended up getting the job. If Jonesy told either of you two guys, since you both spoken to him, I have not, what was the timing? When did that first call come through that, hey, Jonesy, we were just thinking about you for a potential spot with the Philadelphia Flyers, which blossoms into this new position, a new direction of the organization. When did that come down? All those, all those initial interviews with the candidates that they were serious about was mid-April. Um, so you're talking about a month ago. Um, and, and then they did like a second wave of interviews with a handful of guys. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really it, Jody. I mean, it was about literally about a month ago. Although I do think that when they, the announcement came, I think a little bit before that, that they were considering splitting up the GM and the president's role after they fired Chuck Fletcher – so that kind of goes back into March. So I got to think that although Jonesy didn't say specifically that it was then, but I, I think he probably was having those discussions with his family, you know, in sometime in March leading up to April uh, before it really came to came to fruition. All right. Anthony Sanfilippo, we all know Keith Jones. Um, you, you know, I saw him for years around the radio station. You've seen him at the at the arenas. We all we all know him. We all like him. I mean, we we like him a lot. He is a smart guy, smarter than he would come off sometimes on the radio. Um, he clearly knows the sport, um, but he has no experience doing this. You've very thoroughly endorsed this in a column uh, that is currently on Crossing Broad. How do we know that Keith is going to be able to do a job that he's never done? Well, we, we don't know, right? But, it, but the, the reality of it is, Glenn, is that, you know, if you ever really get a chance to sit down and talk about hockey with the guy, you really kind of realize that, you know, what we kind of know him as is the fun-loving morning show goofball. 
is only one side of Keith Jones, that the other side of Keith Jones is a really adept hockey mind. And he, you know, the ability to, to not just know the sport, but to, but to know it on a national and international level, to be able to talk to everyone in the game, and have so many contacts and so many, like he knows everything about every team because of because of his career path to this point. And so when you think about it and look at it from that perspective, he's got some inside information. And I, I talked about this with Chris Carrion on the podcast last week when when they announced they were hiring him. Is that a lot of times you know we talk to the coaches, we have the, that media availability pregame, and it's just the coach gives us, you know, he, he gives us the lines that, that he has to give the media. But then the broadcasters go in and they sit down with the coaches. And the coaches are much more blunt and honest and upfront about everything about their players with the broadcasters. Because they know it's not going to be repeated unless it's, unless it's something that they want repeated, right? But the, so Jonesy doing a nas- being a national broadcaster he's got all the intel from 32, 32 teams in the league. Like he knows every, everything about every team. And so I think that in and of itself is an inherent advantage when you're sitting there working with Danny Briere as the GM to talk about potential players, to talk about, you know, you know trades and free agency and, and, and the like. And let's be honest, when it comes to drafting in the NHL, there are very few presidents or even GMs who are hardcore into the, you know, the, the players that are going to be available in the draft. Usually, you leave that to the assistant general manager and the scouts, right? Yeah. Well, when you're a when you're a broadcaster and you're talking to so many people in the sport, you're you're talking to people that you know that are watching these young players and, and getting a lot of intel from us from scouts and from other teams. So you have that. In intel in your favor as well because you're talking to these scouts in all these different buildings. It's it's an he's an incredible resource for a general manager like Danny Briere, and I think that that's where people are kind of selling Keith Jones short because they think of Jonesy as you know the morning radio guy when in fact he's probably as well versed if not more well versed than almost anybody in the game. All right, important question. If you know the answer, I expect you to give it to us. If you don't know and say it's TBD, then I will ask you to speculate. Sure. The Flyers now have a general manager and a president. Different sporting organizations work differently. Some, uh, the general manager is autonomous and the president is more of a business guy. I don't think that's this relationship because Jonesy, as much as a hockey guy as he is, Presently here in town, we've got the Phillies with Dave Dombrowski as the president and Sam Fold as the GM. If you think Sam Fold is making any moves without consulting or running it by or letting Dave Dombrowski handle it, you're kidding yourself. What is the pecking order? How does the organizational flow chart look? Who's on top? Jonesy? Or is he on a parallel with the general manager, uh, Mr. Briere? So what it is, Jody, is when it comes – and I think this is an important distinction. Jonesy is the guy. He is the boss. And, but that only really equates to hiring and firing, right? Like if, if Danny Breer or if John Tortorella were not doing their job to the level that they need it, then Keith Jones would be the guy in consultation, obviously, with Dan Hilferty and Val Camillo, but it, that, that, that he would be the guy – that has to make that change. 
But as far as the day-to-day operation, this is going to be different than anything that you've seen with the president of a sporting team and the general manager all across sports in a sense that these guys are going to kind of work together. It's going to be Keith and, and, and Danny and Torts kind of working as a triumvirate. And this is very unique. You don't really see this anywhere else. And that's why oh, I think Stop, 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 stop. We hear this everywhere. Everywhere, every year, every team. It's a collaborative is... effort. And no, you no, and no. I know that it's not a collaborative effort. There is power levels on each and every single level, and some yes. guy has to sit atop, and somebody has to be second, and somebody has to be third. They can hold the hands and sing kumbaya, but it's never a completely equal three-way split. Well, yeah, but, I'm, but what I'm saying to you is, is that Danny Briere is the general manager. He's going to be the guy handling all roster decisions. He's the guy. Keith Jones is there as his resource, as, his, as the guy he runs the path. But John Tortorella, as a coach, has more say than maybe any coach anywhere does. Of course, they always – and I said this was a question that I asked at the press conference. He, of course, he's going to have a seat at the table. Coaches always have a seat at the table. But the question is how many coaches have as, as much input and as much involvement as John Tortorella is going to have here? And I would, I would argue that it's none, that this is a situation where Torts is going to have a lot more say as to what the team is going to look like and the kinds of players that are going to be brought in. And he, he and Danny have already been working on that together. Would you see that Tortorella is sitting up in the GM's box watching games at the end of the season and letting the assistants coach it. So, like, that's, a, that's an example of that. And Jonesy is going to kind of be the, the overseer of, of, that, of those conversations. He's going to be brought in. But instead of it being a 12 to 15-person operation, which is what, it, what you kind of had too many cooks in the kitchen previously under the previous regime, you're, you're going to have it be – I mean, look, they're, they're going to get input from scouts, of course, and analytics people, of course. But the decision makers are those three guys. That's it. It's not going beyond that. There's not talking to advisors. They're not talking to, you know, letting other people chime in on what they should do. It's three people making this decision. Danny on, you know, John on coaching, Danny on roster and stuff, and, and Keith kind of being the, the overseer over everything. All right. Uh, last one from me, at least last one in, involving hockey. Um, yeah. There is a history in this franchise of having former Flyers players in positions of power. You wrote that story not that long ago about the influence of the three wise men, which is Bob Clark, Bill Barber, and Paul Holmgren, um, and uh, Dan Hilferty, who actually we didn't really – discuss him but he's kind of overseeing this whole thing a very able guy and you know with long roots in philadelphia um you know some of the feedback i've gotten is well it's just another ex-flyers player why is this different um well because it's 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 not it's not that simple glenn i mean it's, it's if you look around the league i mean there are guys that are former players of their teams running their teams and running them successfully i mean i can list off seven of you off the top of my head I mean, most recently, Joe Sackick won a Stanley Cup in Colorado, who, by the way, Keith Jones has an incredibly close relationship with and was uh, you know, involved a lot with talking to, to Sackick over the last several years about players and the like. Uh, but you know, Steve Eiserman in Detroit and Chris Drury in New York. So this is a thing that happens in hockey, right? Guys just go back to the teams where they're at, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that notion. 
I think what happens here is, is that the Flyers haven't won a championship in so long, and they have a kind of a tradition of using a lot of their former alumni that fans just negatively look at it that way. But if you, if you sit there and say, well, the last time they went outside the organization, they hired Chuck Fletcher. And how did that work out? And the last couple times that they hired coaches from you know, outside the organization prior to Tortorella. Elaine Vigneault, how did that work out? Dave Haxtell, how did that work out? Right? So, I mean, it's, you can sit there and say that they haven't done it, but they have. Um, and, and, and they've pilfered guys from other organizations that were successful. I mean, yes, Haxtell was a former flyer, but he came in because they won Stanley Cups in Los Angeles, and he must know how to do, do that and build a winner. And he didn't. So I, I don't necessarily think – I think it's kind of like a weird narrative that this city kind of embraces for some reason. Um, yeah, I, I get it, but I also don't think it's fair to the people that are in, in the positions to kind of just label them as former flyers, and so therefore they can't be successful. I think that they, you look at these guys and say, you got to give them their opportunity to succeed, and there's reasons to believe that they will succeed, but let's not just automatically dismiss out of hand that they can't do the job just because they once wore a Flyers jersey. All right, I'll move it over to the Phillies, Anthony. Uh, they are looking for their sixth win in a row today in Colorado after having lost six games in a row. And, oh, by the way, this winning streak started with Aaron Nola on the hill. Um, he's on the hill for them today. How important is it? Is it me or just does it seem when the Aces pitch – ace-like it doesn't even have to be dominating eight innings of no run ball but ace-like it seems to have that domino effect on everyone else both the other pitchers and even the hitters and the, the lineup and the like is today's game a big game in your eyes today with Noel on the hill well I mean I, I, I look you can look at it every game and say it's a big game right I mean you want to keep the streak going you want to you want to get win six in a row keep putting pressure on Atlanta who's struggling right now try and close the gap there. You've, you've gotten into second place. You've actually climbed into, believe it or not, if, I mean, I know it's early to look at playoffs, but you're in a playoff yep. spot, right? I'm just saying, like, this is where you're at. Where a week and a half ago, you're, you were so far away, and now all of a sudden this is where you're at. So, yeah, every game in and of itself is important. But do I think it's as, as, as important a game today as it could? No, because they've already won the series, right? I mean, yeah, you want to get a sweep and keep the momentum going, but I don't look at this game and say, oh, this is a must-win game. Oh, Aaron Nola needs to pitch – lights out in this game. I, I don't see it that way, um, especially because they got through Ranger Suarez's start yesterday uh, with, a, with a limited bullpen, and, and, it, and it worked. And now you're going to get guys back that are available today that weren't available yesterday. So I, like, I don't think Nola has to be sensational. It would be nice for him to continue because he was struggling a little bit earlier in the year as four of his last five starts have been better. Uh, so it would be good for him to kind of keep that momentum. But I don't look at it and say – from a team perspective, it's a it's a must win because you're going to San Francisco and play here's, another bad team. Here's how I'll make the point. Uh, give you your choice of results today. Aaron Nola, seven shutout innings, three hits, nine Ks. Phillies blow it in the end. Bullpen gives up two runs. They lose two to one. Or Aaron Nola goes four innings, gives up six runs, but the Phillies put up a 12 spot and win 12-9, which is a better result for you today. The exactly first one, because, right. I believe, because I believe in the bullpen, right? And I think that the bullpen's going to going to be good for most of the year. And if they have a bad game and cough one up, oh, so be it. It happens. 
Um, but yes, you want to see consistency out of the starting pitching. I'd, I'd rather have the great starting pitching performance and, and the lineup, can, you know, not hitting than than I would the starter struggling in the lineup having to hit their way through it. All right, all very good stuff. Last thing, and Joni and I discussed this earlier. Uh, it is Mother's Day, and yeah. uh, we were kind of looking for your best sports story that involves your mom. And I've ah. met your mom, who's a delightful woman. <laughs> Oh, I could go in seven million different directions. One of the things I want have been wanting to do on Crossing Broad for like over a year now, Glenn, is is actually sit down and watch a game with my mom and transcribe all the, the <laughs> crazy things that she says during a game. I mean, there would be like for there was one time where she was watching a Phillies Cubs game for thirteen innings and then finally turned to my dad and said, "I didn't know they had three New York teams." Um, so that's, those are the kind of things that my mom complains about. <laughs> so and, and says that she complains about like football players, why they should wear underwear when they have white pants on. I mean, these are the things my mom says. But the story that I want to tell has nothing to do with pro sports. It has to do with me, actually, when I was a, uh, a teenager playing baseball. And we were playing in a playoff game. I was, I think, 13 years old. And we were playing against another team in the, in the neighborhood we grew up in. And the kid pitching on the other team is a guy I grew up with, a guy who I'm still friends with today. Uh, we used to belong to the same swimming club, and my mother knows his parents. And he was a, a very good pitcher, and in this playoff game, he threw a ball, and he hit me. And my mom, who's usually very, very quiet, and like you said, she's a delightful little Italian mom, um, he, she hits me with the pitch, and she starts screaming, saying things I can't say on the radio, um, and complaining that because he because he's already able to shave, that he's too old to be playing in the league. Okay, now this again, this woman knows this guy, knows this kid, knows his family, knows the parents, and is yelling at the umpire and the other coach that he's an illegal player, and all because he hit her son with a pitch in a playoff game. Go. And it was the that's first time she was ever like that. So that's my that's my great mom sports story. Angry moms in the stands are always great. Uh, Anthony <laughs> Sanfilippo, he covers the uh, the Flyers and the Phillies for Crossing Broad. Uh, follow or Find the Snow the Goalie podcast, which is terrific. Hey, thanks a ton, man. I will, uh, I'll see you. Oh, I know I'll see you later this week. All um, right. Sounds good. All right. Be well. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, Rob in Delco and Bill in Woodbury, do me a favor. We appreciate your patience. Hang on. We'll get you guys right on the other side of this break. Anybody else wants to join, 215-592-9494. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. Mack, great time of year in sports. You've got basketball and NHL playoffs getting deeper. Baseball on a night-in, night-out basis. Got the U.S. Open coming up on the golf side. It's a great time of year, and with the Bet Park Sportsbook app in my hand, I've got all I need. It's always more fun when you have a skin in the game. Join me. Download the Bet Park Sportsbook app. Do it now. Free to download the app. Then you can check out the offerings they have on a day-in, day-out, night-in, night-out basis. Only sportsbook app that I recommend and play with. Live in-game betting. You make a good bet before the game. You want to double down on it. Done. In the middle of the game. Same game parlays, player props. Who's going to score? Who's going to get assists? Who's going to hit home runs? Who's going to get strikeouts? Depending on your game, they've got an extra wager for you to make to maybe hit a same-game parlay. All new users, if you've never played with parks before, bet $10, get $125 in a sportsbook bonus if your first bet is a winner. Betparks.com has all the terms and conditions. 
For new users and winning bets, only sports bonus must be wagered once. See website for more details. But I'm telling you, it's that much more fun with a little action with your action. Check out the Bet Park Sportsbook app. Must be 21 and in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's a double on Moses. Blocked again by McHale. Maxwell comes out with it, boosts his balance, goes to Malone for the dunk. What a break for the 76ers. The fans here love it. It's a seven. You know, Jody, I, I sometimes forget how long ago that stuff was, but man, those though that Sixers Celtics back in the in the early mid eighties with Doc and Moses and and Andrew Tony and D- Doug Collins and Mo Cheeks on this side and Bird and Parrish and McHale and it's like there was two all star lineups that they and hated each other. It was great. And I will uh, make myself look like a stone-cold hypocrite here because you asked me a question earlier about what play in the Super Bowl do you remember more than any other? And I go strip sack, and you go uh, Philly, Philly. And you asked about this past Super Bowl, and you said the sip is punt, and the big return is what you remember. You know what I remember about the Celtics and Sixers rival from that era you just described more Mm. than anything else? Doc putting Larry Bird into a headlock. The fight. Yes. Yeah, the fight. That More so than <laughs> – and they were great games and great plays yeah, fight, and yeah. great players. But I remember Doc putting Larry Bird into a headlock on yeah. the sidelines. Yeah. Uh, and if you go on YouTube, you can watch everything that led up to it. And, it's, you know, they used to let guys play – it was a different sport. I'm oh, not yeah. saying it was better or worse, but it's like – there's there's a game that um, I I somehow ended up watching fairly recently on YouTube, in which Robert Parrish takes a straight out punch right into Bill Lambeer's face. Oh yeah, and knocks him down. And I, I think I think he got called for like a, a foul. Like nobody get tossed. You don't yeah, get tossed. Not going over to the replay table to see if it's flagrant one no. or flagrant two, and will the suspension be attached? Oh no, it's just a foul. It was a flavor of five fister into his face. <laughs> and he just like, all right, let's sort it out. All right, back in the game. Yeah, I know. It was actually kind of fun. Uh, Rob Indelco is with us. Hello, Rob. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Hey, Rob. Listen, I had a Mother's Day uh, quote here. My grandmother used to tell me to go, and I want to share it. She used to tell me, one mother could take care of ten kids, but ten kids can't take care of one mother. So Yeah, well, that's a little different way to look at it. Just the importance of moms and the family and you all bet. that they do. So I just want to wish all the moms. Moms are there. the glue, no question. No, no doubt they're the fabric, no doubt. Um, listen, I keep hearing uh, this is a legacy type of game for Embiid. He'll be the only MVP who's never gotten out of the second round. You know what? I'm looking at this as kind of a legacy game for the franchise because, yes, we won the world championship before. I was nine years old when Mo Cheeks dunked the ball with one second left, but they're going to be drastically different next year or this coming season in the fall, if they don't win today, guys, we could have a new head coach. Harden could be gone. Tobias could possibly be gone. Depending on what they do with him, because his contract will be appealing since he's on his last year. So this is a franchise type of legacy type of game. they got to oh, yeah. get it done today. You know what I mean? They have to get it done today. And if, done, if you had told me, guys, they would have had three games, they would have had to win, excuse me, three games in Boston to win the series, I would have said you're crazy. 
but that's where we stand, and they've done it twice so far. So I'm going to try to end on a positive note here. I think not only are they going to cover the spread, I think they're going to win by double digits. I'm going to say 110 to 99. Okay. You know why? Everything's telling me they shouldn't do it. They're going to get their doors blown off. They're going to, you know, and Harden. I don't want to see them cry. And thanks for, yeah, I mean, the counterintuitive way of looking at it makes perfect sense in this series because nothing has made sense. So, sure, why not? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. I don't either, but, I think I will be on the air on CBS Sports Radio basically staring at my TV and trying to keep the conversation going in the 100-99 to game with 50 seconds to go. Oh, that's great. <laughs> That'll be fun. Don't, Bill don't and Woodbury uh, wants to talk about the NFL schedule. What do you got? Can I just say something while I was waiting? I just remembered. Do you know what happened 43 years ago uh, on a Mother's Day? Uh, was that the Milwaukee series? No, it was the okay. NBA Finals. Really? A Mother's it was Day? On Mother's Day? Boy, they finished yeah. early back then. Yes. And it was the day that Dr. J drove the baseline. Underhand scooped it between Kareem and Magic. Oh, one of the all-time great plays. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let me get to my schedule thing. Um, I talked to you once before about uh, Thursday night's games. I'm not a fan either, Glenn. And I I thought like a few years ago, Dallas got a win on their schedule because they played Thanksgiving. And then the next Thursday, they played at home again on a Thursday. And they had to play uh, the Saints which is a totally unfair schedule. So I don't care. You know, it, you can't play if have a week off and the other team has three days off. That's terrible. But I think the I, I agree. Listen, I agree with you, and that stuff happens, but I don't think it's the no, I don't schedule think it's makers well, you know, rubbing know. their fingers together saying, how can we screw somebody? But I do think inevitably stuff think, happens every year where teams yeah. get an unfair break. But I think on Thursday schedules, they should make it mandatory. You play home the week before you play. I think it's, unfair. it's tough enough to win on the road on Thursday. Like, I think Detroit this week, this year, plays away on a, a Sunday and then plays uh, away on a, thir- on a Thursday. That's really tough for a team to do. You're at, a, you're at a disadvantage on a Thursday anyway, so I think they should make it so you play home the week before. Yeah, but let me ask you a question. Aren't mm-hmm. both uh, buys aside, and if a buy is included and it does yeah. change the dynamic – don't both teams have to play in a short week? Yeah, Isn't but it the same for travel, both teams? Why do we just look at one rather than the other? Yeah, but, I mean, if you have to travel, go home, and you got to travel for the game, this is only three days as it is. I think it should be home. Not, you should be home the week before a Thursday game. I don't think that should be a too yeah, tough yeah, I got it. schedule. Yeah, I, I got it, and, I, and I, think that, I think that's fair. That wouldn't be hard for anybody. And, and also, when teams travel abroad, maybe they should get the bye the week uh, after that. I mean, there, there are certain things that you could build in, Jody, that would make it easier for when teams just have stuff that just – I mean, I, I don't know how coaches do it. I don't know how players do it. But uh, let me once again bring it back to reality and the almighty dollar. When they're laying this out and they're trying to do it and be as fair as possible – then the network guy comes in and goes, yeah, but we need this, and we're yeah, well, paying for this, and we've got to have this. I, I'm not and arguing you with you. If, you're, if your point is, if your point is, yes, you're correct, it's unfair, but that's because the networks control it. My answer is, you're absolutely right. Exactly. And it's, and it's not always right. By the way, our producer, Nick Earnshaw, says that that 1983 finals was the last time it ended before June 1st. 
And now when if it goes the full length, I mean, when when is it in? Mid to late June? It usually is, yeah. It's just before yeah. the NBA draft. Yeah. Well, and the weird thing this year, Mac, and I know you're following this, it looks like hockey's going to finish after the NBA. Yeah, I know. Which I that know. never happens because hockey starts almost a month before the NBA. But yeah. they give their teams a little bit more downtime in the postseason and do it during the regular season. And, yeah, this year's a little weird because they had the whole Olympic thing in the middle of it. But the NHL always ends before the NBA season. Doesn't look like that's happening this year. No, and th- most of the teams left are Sunbelt cities where if there's any justice, the ice will melt into puddles because, <laughs> as I may have told you once or twice, Jody, I believe that hockey, uh, the NHL, should not be uh, playing in uh, cities where it doesn't snow. Oh, and, that's, and it's, it's going to rain in Seattle, not snow in Seattle. But I would take Seattle as an NHL city. It's above the okay. Mason-Dixon line. There you I'm go. okay with it. And yeah. they're still in it. They had to get a win last night, and they did. I know. And who's their coach? Yeah, that's rubbing salt in the wounds, is it yeah. not? How about that? <laughs> uh, let's sneak in Chuck in Downingtown before the break. Chuck, you have a Mother's Day story. I do have two quick stories, Glenn. Uh, mm-hmm. Both of them involve Willie Mays. Oh. My, 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 uh, Jody, you, you can remind me the signature move that Mays made every time he caught the ball. Oh, basket catch. Last one to uh, do it. Nobody else has yeah, done it since. Yeah, and, and – and didn't he always used to tap his glove once or twice before he caught the ball? Yeah, but that he's You're... not an original at. A lot of guys do that, but the okay. basket catch was solely Willie. Yes, okay. So my dad somehow or other got tickets in the summer of 1964, probably around mid-July when both the Giants and the Phils were in the, were in the, uh, you know, in the running for the pennant. And for some reason, I, he usually used to take me and my brother Paul, but my brother must have gotten sick or had a, something to do that day, and my mom ended up going to the game with us. And I was pretty sure that this was the only the, the first Major League Baseball game she had been to. And she was born in Holland and not really much of an athlete at all. Probably was a pretty good ice skater, but, but not, not really an athlete. And the Phils and the Giants were in a, a very great, interesting one-run game, and the Phillies were threatening to add a little bit to their lead in the eighth inning when Ruben Amaro hit a rocket into the right field gap. And Mays, Mays got to the ball. With, in, he must have run at least 50 feet, and he flew through the air 10 feet to make the catch and d- deprived Amaro of what it would have been at least a double and an RBI because there was a runner on base. And I'll never forget reading the next day in the, in the Philadelphia Bulletin, probably by Sandy Grady, that Mock said, Gene Mock said, I knew Mays was going to catch the ball when he tapped his glove before he jumped for it. Uh, <laughs> by the way, that was for, a re- just – just to clarify for people, that's the Ruben Amaro we know. That's his dad. Yeah, his senior. dad. Yes, yeah. Ruben Amaro Sr., yes. So later that summer, my mom asked to borrow my Richie Allen glove so she can go to my, with my dad to the, King, to the um, Knights of Columbus bake, bake sale softball game. And they're you know, running some kind of benefit for the local Knights of Columbus. And the men are playing their wives. And... The men are batting left-handed. That was the one concession they made to the women. And somehow or other, late, late in the game, the, the men insert a natural lefty into the game. Oh, and my mom's out in right field. 
and he hooks this ball. He hooks a ball that's at least 20 feet over her head, and she runs after it and sticks the glove up, and somehow the ball lands in the mitt. And the the I'll never forget the the, the men were completely astonished, as as was I and probably my mom. But that was the most heroic sports play my mom That's ever nice. made. That's nice. that, that is a great story, and thank you. And I love the Willie Mays angle. So Jody, when I was flying home from Paris the other day, and you, you know they, you get that screen in front of you, there I watched a documentary because I know you're a Willie Mays guy. Uh, that was is was on HBO. I guess it dropped in the fall, October, November, and I'm just looking it up here. It's called "Say Hey Willie Mays," and it's all about his life from growing up through coming through the minor league, the Negro leagues, the minor leagues. Uh, playing for the Giants in New York, San Francisco, finishing with the Mets. And they interview him. He's 92 years old, and they interview him. Uh, it wasn't perfect. I had some issues with it, but I think as a Maze fan, you would like it a lot. I will check it out. And, yes, I'm a Maze guy. And this has nothing to do with my fandom. This is my honest opinion. As I told you earlier, you have to sometimes separate your fandom from being an objective observer. The whole narrative of Willie Mays lost it when he got to the Mets and that he was a bumbling, stumbling old man. And even though the Mets made the World Series with a 82 and 80 record, Willie really wasn't Willie anymore. He lost the ball in the sun in the World Series. Then you will love this because they go to length to say exactly what you're saying. Oh, then they did a good job because they, the they whole be, the yep. whole Willie was a forgettable, shouldn't have still been playing. He was only still playing because he was Willie Mays. No, th- he lost the ball in the sun. That happens to 20-year-old kids. Uh, it was just a complete uh, fake news story that I have been bemoaning for what is now, I guess, 40-some-odd years. I'm glad if they do a segment on that, I definitely have to they watch They do, it. and it's that's exactly – you could have written that segment based on what you're saying. <laughs> All right, 215-592-9494. We can squeeze a call or two in maybe before we find out what we forgot to talk about from our producer, Nick Earnshaw. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack. Now in 94, WIP, hey, are you tired of dealing with those old, inefficient windows in your house? Well, maybe it's time to go guide it. How about that drafty, beat-up-looking entry door? You've painted over it more times than you can count. Hey, go guide If you need added protection from the elements with a new storm door, go guide What about that sliding patio door? Maybe the garage door? You've been meaning to replace that. Go Guida. Whatever your home improvement needs are, I suggest you go Guida with the great people at Guida Door and Window. Now, to help get your project started, Guida is offering 20% off all windows and doors while allowing you to start your project with no money down and up to three full years to pay them off interest-free. That's right. You receive 20% instant savings with the luxury of paying off your project interest-free for up to 36 months. Restrictions apply. Offers for a limited time. So what are you waiting for? It's time you finally go Guida. Call today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. All right, Jody McDonald, let us wrap it up by going to our producer, Nick Earnshaw, and find out what did we forget to talk about today. All right, so we're going to start with a little bit of breaking news uh, that's happened throughout this show. Uh, According to Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, Ja Morant has been suspended uh, from the Memphis Grizzlies 
again because he flashed a gun on social media in an Instagram live again. Yeah, saw it. I, I saw a video of it. It's unbelievable. Jody, this guy is one of the most exciting, talented young players in the league and, and really had the opportunity to be a face of the league. And he is throwing his career away. Um, and I, I can't imagine the lack of judgment that has you do it not once, but to come back and do it again when you know everything that's at stake. Two thoughts. Number one, some might say, well, they're suspending him from what? Their season's over. They're not going to play again till whatever. Good on the Memphis Grizzlies. They're taking a proactive stance. There should be repercussions, and if it's only on paper with a statement for now, so be it. So good on the Grizzlies. And number two, Glenn, you're a good social media guy. You've got your Twitter. You've got your Facebook. You're much right. more active on Facebook than I am, but I get your Facebook posts and the pictures you put up and everything. And uh, social media can be great. Or it can be the downfall of an individual. And for him to allow a video that shows him holding a gun after what he's had to go through and the mistakes that he's made, doubling down on it on social media for the entire world to see. And, of course, it's already been deleted, but everybody in the world has a copy of it. It yeah. went viral. Yeah, there's the upside and the downside to social media. And this is the as, as big a downside as I've seen in a long time. All right, what else we got? All right, so following the Suns' defeat in their series uh, against the Denver Nuggets, Suns head coach and former 76ers assistant Monty Williams has been fired. Now, I, I don't know about you guys, but after Game 7 today, if the Sixers don't win, Doc might not be here. <laughs> Maybe a reunion? Maybe a reunion? We'll see. Monty Williams, uh, Budenholzer, Nick Nurse, there are a couple of really good candidates who are out of jobs in the NBA as of right now. If Doc gets fired, he should be fired because he had X amount of years to get him past the second round of the playoffs, and he didn't. But you want to look at the glasses half full? Yeah, there are other candidates out there who could replace Doc Rivers tomorrow. Boy, you're not, you're not waiting on that. So uh, we are doing a Mother's Day thing today. And uh, Nick Earnshaw, let's give you a moment to pay tribute to your mother with your uh, mother in sports story. All right. So my family, we have a little bit of a peculiar sports fandom, uh, especially with football. Uh, my dad's a Vikings fan. My brother is a Saints fan. The so, heck? yeah, it's it's wild. So. Are they my, all from? Well, hold on. Are they all grow up around here? No, yeah, they all grew up around here. I Don't even ask. I couldn't even tell you right. why. But. Um, every Sunday, my mom will kick my brother and dad out of the family room for the big TV, and the Eagles will go on that big TV, and I'll get to watch it with her usually every Sunday growing up. So it was great because she is my Eagles buddy every single week. I, your mother is now my officially my favorite member of your family. We, oh, we, she asked we, are, we are in America. Democracy wins. And if it's 2-1 to one over your non-Eagle fan family members – Yes, the vote has been cast, and the Eagles win the big TV. There you go. I like it. Uh, all right, Jody Mack, you are, uh, as you said, you are on the air today. What time are you on CBS? <sighs> Six o'clock, and the game's oh, just going to be ending because yeah. ESPN starts 15 minutes yeah. later than yeah. the slated time. Yeah, I'm going to have to deal with it again. I did last Sunday. I'll do it again this Sunday. All right, well, next time I talk to you, either they will be in the Eastern Conference Finals 
or I think there's going to be a real uh, tear-down turnover. So It'll be the same setup because we're not together next Sunday, but the Sunday thereafter will be after game six yeah. of the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, wow. So you have looked leading ahead. into a game seven again, you and I, two weeks from now. All right. Well, hopefully the Sixers are still in it. Nick Earnshaw, great job by you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Rob Ellis is coming up next. Make sure you listen to him and stay tuned right here on 94 WIP. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.